This episode of Titus and Tate is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Today's episode of Titus and Tate is brought to you by DraftKings. The final 22 teams have made their way down to Orlando and are ready to get back on the court, and there is no better place to get in all of the action than with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. To celebrate the return of basketball, DraftKings will have not one but two $1 million top prizes through the first two rounds of the playoffs, so get in all the action now. If you haven't tried it yet, fantasy basketball is easy to play. Just pick a player standard, the salary cap, and pile up points for three-pointers, rebounds, assists, and more. But if basketball isn't for you, don't worry. DraftKings is offering plenty of fantasy golf action for all the PGA Tour tournaments that are coming up. We just had the PGA Championship this past weekend. Hope you got in on that action. Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code Tate to get a free shot at a million dollars. Up for grabs this week with your first deposit. That's promo code Tate to get a free shot at a million dollars with your first deposit only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. On to Titus and Tate. On today's episode of Titus and Tate, we are mourning the death of college football. Mm. Or are we? Because we, we will see. That is the question. We don't know. Nobody yes. knows. College football is 100% dead. And then we've walked it back. It's not 100% dead. The players have come out. They've said, we want to play. The coaches are like, well. Hashtag we want to play. Not yeah. just we want to play. Jim yes. Harbaugh's putting out statements. Scott Frost is saying, I will fight anyone. Just tell me <laughs> when and where. Yeah, point uh, me in the right direction, folks. <laughs> it is absolute chaos in the college football world. No one has it. Reporters are contradicting each other every five minutes. The scoops business, it's, it's a miss. People don't know what to do with each other. Everyone is pointing fingers. Everyone is saying, this person said this. This meeting happened, but did it. It's, it's all a mystery, which is great for us. And meanwhile, Jim Delaney, who retired a few months ago, is just kicking his feet back. Manifest Delaney. He's like, I got out. Sipping right a Mai Tai on an island somewhere, just saying, like, life is good, man. I don't yeah. have to deal with He's that. He's like, bullshit. can't wait for the Maui Invitational. Uh, we're we're going to break down what's going on in college football, uh, you know, because it it matters. <laughs> it is the biggest sports story right now. Um, it is not only is is like the the saving of the college football season a big deal to us. Uh, what happens with college football will have an impact on the college basketball season, both. Mm this coming season and forever like the Tate, Tate and I just kind of sat down and thought about it together. We were texting this morning and we realized like, this is kind of a watershed moment in college sports forever. No matter what happens, there's no going back to the old system. So, mm-hmm. uh, we're gonna. It's, we're gonna. It's unfortunate that it took a pandemic to get yeah. to the point, maybe where we address these. Who knows? But here we are. But whatever happens, you cannot go back to where the what college football was like five years ago, and college sports was five years ago. So. That's interesting, and we're going to talk about it. Uh, we're also going to talk about the most improved player award in the National Basketball Association, basically just because you're very upset about this, right? I'm very upset because a guy that is a friend of our program, a guy that we have pulled for on this program, I mean, a guy from Raleigh, North Carolina, Devontae Graham, called him the mm-hmm. apostrophe for quite some time. He is the point guard of my Charlotte Hornets. He is beloved in the city of Charlotte in the state of North Carolina, and he's getting snubbed, Mark Titus, for Luca. And we love Luca now, or I love new. I, I'm a Luca fan now, so it, it's my heart is split, my heart is torn. And uh, Devonte Graham, most yeah, Luca came out and said, "I don't belong on this list." But Devontae after Graham, I said it, yeah, so yeah, I, yeah I, I'm, I'm a little upset. Luca, come on the show. Uh, your most famous, the the, the, the I I uh, this is probably the best take you ever had, even though you weren't actually right per se but i love the balls and you were almost right uh i remember right logic wrong pick That's yeah i remember you vividly arguing that that Devontae graham was better than frank mason and that Devontae graham was going to thrive when frank mason was out of his way and i was like dude you are out of your gourd 
and it wasn't exactly true, but I'll give you credit to like, you're, yeah, you're on the right path. I'll mm-hmm. give you credit for that one. I was talking about the NBA, Mark. That's okay. that was the confusion. Okay. That's some of the next level. It was a no-jo Eastern type take. Uh, very good. We're going we're gonna to talk about our favorite improved players is how we're going to package this mm. because uh, we, I, I've missed doing top five lists with you and I want to do a top five. So we're, we're going we're gonna to do that on Salem, but we got to talk about this college football stuff and yes. what the hell is going on. We're not really sure. Nobody's sure, but that's the fun of it. We're going to do our best to make sense of it. But first... Woody Durham. He takes the timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul. Technical foul. All right, Tate. I don't even know where to start with all this. Uh, I'm trying to. I, I think we should maybe go through like a timeline of how this all happened, but it all happened so fast. It all uh, just unfolded on a Sunday night out of nowhere, but obviously it goes back to March 12th when the NCAA tournament was canceled, when coronavirus like really exploded in America to the point that things were getting canceled that we thought would never get canceled in our lives. Um, The writing was on the wall kind of then that I think that like anyone that was paying any attention as especially like the next few weeks, the stuff kept getting canceled and stuff got postponed. And like all the scientists are like, this is going to take a while. This isn't like a one week thing. Um, You would have thought that like college football, would have the, the the powers that be would have thought like all right so we have five months let's uh let's figure this out let's come up with a plan Adam Silver to his credit was like we're not just going to go down without a fight we're going to build a bubble in Orlando and I mocked the hell out of that I was like that's mm-hmm. never going to work I'm now eating crow it's working because he had a plan and he was like we're going to try this college football was like we're just going to wait and see let's just mm-hmm. not panic mm-hmm. let's just wait mm-hmm. and see and then the clock kept turning and all the college football media people like it turns to July and they're like well. You know, if college football is going to happen, like practices should be starting soon. And college football powers that be, they said, now let's just wait and see. And they kept waiting and seeing. It's Mm -hmm. now almost mid-August. Games are supposed to happen like in two weeks uh, uh, on a normal schedule. And finally, it all came to a head. And like the the like a lot of these mid-tier conferences, the the group of five conferences, we'll call them, have backed out. Just today, the Mountain West announced that they are postponing all fall sports. Um, the Mac has canceled all fall sports. Uh, mm. So as that started happening, then, then the conferences say, let's just do conference only scheduling. Um, the Big Ten puts out a schedule one week ago and says, this is our conference only schedule. This is how it's going to work this year. One week later, the Big Ten, all the talk is that the Big Ten is going to cancel the season, uh, but they're trying to get other conferences on board. As I saw one person put it, no, none of these power five conferences want to be the first because then you're like the loser that's like, breaking up the party but also none of them want to be the last because then you're you're the Big East tournament playing you know as the rest of the world is shutting everything down you got the St. John's mascot in the crowd that's just staring into the abyss but then everyone was saying but it's definitely going to happen this week it's just a matter of like who's going to go first but then now everyone's saying wait a second we want to play we want to play yes. <laughs> what the hell so where are we Tate what's going on where we are is, like you said, it's a wait and see. That's what college, that's what football has always been. You, you say it's college football. It's not just college football. It's the NFL. We saw it at the top. They were doing the same thing. Let's wait and see. Because every single year with football, it seems like people want to pile up the stories, the bad stuff. And it's like, well, what does wait and see if that actually affects anything? And then football season comes, and guess what? We just see it. We just watch it, and it's yeah. all good. Everyone's happy, and, it, and it, it delivers, and everyone moves on with their lives. And then they get into the offseason again, and they say, Let's wait and see if we can do it one more time. Then Tom Brady would go win another Super Bowl, and everyone's like, mm-hmm. we, we waited, we saw, we won. It's this great moment in time, right? Again, college football, they wanted to wait and see. They wanted the who, ha, good God almighty. They wanted the second <laughs> end of this. And now they're only going to get 
the weight and they're going yeah. to get the weight and they're going to get the weight. And when you don't get to see, you have lots and lots of issues and lots of people are upset and that's what you bring in the conferences. And now we have basically it is conferences divided. It's power yeah. five divided. It is you pick your side. You decide who you want to be on. There is the West Coast side, which is Pac-12 United. And also, <laughs> the, this is their little – Pac-12 United. And then the Midwest has now become the West. And, yeah. and that is the Big Ten. The Big Ten is joining in on this side. And then you have the, the other three, which is the Big 12 has been basically stoic, silent, uh, acting as if they don't hear anything. And then you have the ACC, who's usually, like you said, Delaney, they have some ties with the Big Ten, usually on the same page. Seems yeah. like they have enough contenders and enough investment in Clemson and the big, you know. Yeah, when the ACC, football. ACC football season, they want to attach themselves to the SEC. Basketball season, you want to attach yourself to the Big exactly. Ten. Exactly. They pick and choose. Yeah. yeah, they, yeah <laughs> they, they pick and choose what side they want to be on. And right now, they're not picking up phone calls from the Big Ten. They do not <laughs> want to hear that conversation. They do not hear, want to hear that West Coast BS, as they would say. And the, the real story now is like, all right, the Big Ten is mulling over the decision, maybe a postponement, whatever, maybe a cancellation, may not be in the cards like originally reported. But the SEC, as you and I both know, they, they're going to roll the balls out, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and, and that door being open, like them standing their ground and deciding that's what they're going to do, that is going to entice bigger programs to play with the big boys. And we may have some sort of super conference just these like Nebraska's playing Alabama, Alabama's playing North Carolina, Kentucky's playing, you know, Florida State. The, you know, this crazy world where USC is flying down to Clemson. You know what I mean? <laughs> and they're playing in a bubble, whatever that may look like. Um, but but I don't. That's the crazy version of this, which seems far fetched, obviously. But yeah, that's where we're getting to because, like you said, there is no plan, and that's that's the that's the point I would make is like. I, I'm over trying to tell people what to, I, I kind of was never really telling people what to do. I was just kind of like being skeptical of, uh, you know, would the NBA bubble work with this? I, I don't care anymore. I'm done arguing about what, you know, they, they should do this and the, whatever. Cause this wow. Is, you just said that and Matt Thomas is going off right now. So I don't know really? what you, yeah. I don't know what you just let go. First quarter, Matt Thomas right now, bubble breaker, bubble breaker, Matt Thomas. <laughs> He's yeah, going uh, off right now. So as soon as you yeah. said that, he was like, I'm free. <laughs> No, I, I, I'm not interested in arguing about what should happen and, and is the mm. Big Ten cowardly for wanting to back out? Is the SEC cowardly for like prioritizing money over people's lives? I don't know. It's, it's, it's annoying. I, my, my brain is bleeding from like trying to – Again, five, you, cannot divide, you cannot divide us. Like we will yeah. not pick a side here. We will just point out no. the two sides. What I want to talk yes. about is like if we're going to play, and, I, and positive vibes only, God, I hope mm. they play. Like mm. I hope they find a way to safely do this and make this happen. My one concern is like we're spending so much time trying to get over this hurdle now of playing. Like we're trying to to don't do anything drastic, Big Ten, Pac-12. Don't let's let's figure this out. We can play, but what does playing look like, Tate? Because there's no plan whatsoever. I don't understand how five months, almost to the day, March 12th was when everything blew up and and was canceled. March Madness was canceled. Uh, it is it is August 10th now, almost five months to the day to come up with some sort of plan. I'm not saying you have to bubble it up. I'm not saying, but like there, uh, to my knowledge, there is literally no plan whatsoever other than like test guys as much as we can and just mm -hmm. tell them like, try not to go to parties. And that's the plan. And otherwise, and then like they kind of threw in some like late minute, all right, we'll just play conference only. But like the, the, the logic behind that wasn't exactly clear, but like it, like it was in the sense that we want to contain everything to our own protocols and everything. 
but that that language wasn't even delivered to the public like no one there wasn't like kevin warren was coming out for the big 10 he's like the reason we're doing this is this this, and this it was just like we're just gonna do conference only that wasn't exactly made clear it's all over the map and it starts with the fact that there is no governing body mm-hmm. of of college football there just yeah, mark, mark Hammer basically was like we're gonna let the institution yeah. die for themselves and that's how we got into this mess and there's no fixing it because i think like Moving forward, you'd say to yourself, all right, so maybe there needs to be a governing body for football. And I thought that there, like, if you would have, you know, if you would have asked me 24 hours ago, do I think that there will be, because of all this mess, there will now become like the NCAA will have more power over college football. Or like, if it's not the NCAA, whatever the new governing body is, will now, that there will be a centralized, like the decisions come from up top, all the conferences have to go along with them type thing. I would have said yes, but now that I'm thinking about it, Man, the way like all the coaches and presidents and ADs are behaving right now, it is just the wild west. And like, even if one guy steps up and is like, "All right, like just just for for uh, a thought exercise, say it's Mark Emmer. It, it, it's not actually him, but just because you know, whatever for the example, we know him. Uh, yeah, yeah, Mark Emmer. Uh, you know, like it's decided that Mark Emmer is now going to be like the commissioner of college football, and like it all like this decision right now, whether they play, all falls on him. And then now everyone has to fall in line there is no way all these schools are still going to fall in line. He's going to be like, you have to play. And they're like, all right, well, we're leaving. Screw you. We're going over. We're going to start our own thing over here. Like it is never going to. And, and it's fascinating because no matter what happens, college sports can't be the same. The mutiny, it's always been like kind of like a gentlemanly agreement of like handshakes and like, yeah, we'll kind of get along. And like, Mm -hmm. we kind of have this common. Let's plug the holes in the boat. Yeah. The gloves are off. Everyone is just looking out for number one. And uh, it's going to be insane to see how this all shakes out because it it, it can't be the same. College sports cannot be the same moving forward, no matter what happens. Exactly. And And the craziest thing about it is whatever is formed out of this is probably a doubling down of whatever you would think would be the uh most wealthy version of the, the of power five like you maybe you say power twice uh, whatever this the power ver- yeah, <laughs> super the power, power. power yeah the superpowers uh it is something that we may never see before where you know these these teams are going to become pseudo professional teams i guess it's somewhat i don't i don't know the the pandora's box has been opened and you know, like like you said, there there's so many different layers, and then we have this heart condition, like that. Mark Slaybach comes out, Heather Dinich comes out, and says that is the reason why you know a lot of the the actual uh, you know people the concerns, yeah, yeah, are, are concerned about this because of a myocarditis or something like that. It was a heart condition that's the inflammation of a heart muscle, and a lot of apparently could be up to five percent of players that have been tested may have this, and. That's obviously a concern. And there, the, the health aspect of this, I mean, we want to play sounds great in a hashtag. And uh, we yeah. don't, again, we don't want to say like what to do or what not to do. But there's a lot of things that are coming out. There's a lot of different uh, mixed reports. The Mountain West postpones. This is the real terminology and semantics is going to be a huge part of this. Like yeah. we postpone or we plan to schedule a game with. Yeah. There may be some of those now announcements that are put out there as feelers to say and see what happens. Is there any recourse from? anyone mm-hmm. else if someone wants to schedule games i don't know but it trevor lawrence the, the biggest names in the sport are going out on a limb jim yeah. harbaugh is saying here's what we're doing here are our numbers here's how we do things and yeah. you know gene chizik a guy who won a national championship with auburn comes out and says that's how everyone i know in these top tier programs runs a program it's a tight shit that this seems like it could work and then you hear those arguments go back and forth but can it can it work and it and, 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 and will it i don't know and i think the unknown well, is who's the, even making the decisions to even anyway. uh, yeah, exactly that, that's yeah. the other thing is like you, you're seeing you're hearing these reports of like the 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 athletic directors had a vote of this the, the conference athletic directors of of conference x voted this 
the conference coaches voted this. The conference presidents are now meeting to discuss whether the, the athletic directors or the co- the players want to play, but these other players don't necessarily – they're a little concerned, but maybe we'll – you know, like they're, they want to play, but they want to make sure there's coronavirus, uh, you know, there's protocols in place. And then other players are like, we just want to play, whatever. Who, who ultimately is, is, is deciding this? That's what yeah. I – it's got to be the presidents, I guess, the university presidents decide. I will say the one thing that, that – the point that needs to be made, and um, – I feel like most people have picked up on it, but I just want to like reiterate is like, I I think with so many things that have happened in the last five months, discussions about whether or not you cancel are based around the transmission of coronavirus and, and the impact of coronavirus. And you brought up the heart condition thing. And that's, that's a real concern, whatever. I actually don't think that that's driving it in the sense of like, I don't think uh, college presidents are saying to themselves, we're worried that our right tackle is going to contract this and have, and, and die from it. And like, we're, we just really worry about him. Like, I don't think that's what they're thinking. I think they're thinking the liability. I think that, cause you can have, you can have guys sign waivers up and down that you, you, you write up on a bar napkin and hand it to them and say, sign this and say that everything's going to be okay. And you promise to be a good boy and not sue us when you, you start coughing a lot and every single guy's going to sign it. And then fast forward two years and, and they are still coughing up blood. They're going to sue the shit out of the school and, and, yeah you know, say like, I didn't want to sign it. I just didn't want to let my teammates down. And my coach kind of threatened to pull my scout, whatever. They'll come up with something. And I think university presidents are, are turning the wheels on that of like, what is the liability situation here? There's the union, there, a newly formed, I don't know if you call it a union, whatever it is, uh, the, the players have now come up. Uh, the, the, the We Are United movement has, has joined together with the We Want to Play movement mm-hmm. to where like, you kind of like have Merger. to- Yeah. Like, if you're going to play, you kind of have to recognize that, whether it's like a fully formed union or just kind of like some associate, whatever it is, like, the when way the, best, the player... Yeah, yeah. the best player in the sport, Trevor Lawrence, and these yeah. guys are all attached to it, you have to acknowledge it or talk about it, or what, what are you really... I mean, you know... So what does that look like? Like, if, exactly. if, if we decide... So everyone comes out today, they say, we're definitely playing, and the players are like, cool, so let's let's go through these these things that we want to make sure. And then the NCAA, they, they want to fight that like crazy, because they don't want they don't want players to have any power. Like, they don't want anything... Yeah, you know, I don't need a list of demands. Union. You know, yeah. No, yeah, exactly. That's not how this works. You don't demand shit. You get in line, and, and you play for us, and we make money. That's how this works. Mm-hmm. So... They're going to take this to court. They're going to fight this. Like, are we going to be able to litigate that in the next two to three weeks and figure that out? I don't know. And I'm not trying to be pessimistic. Uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm just thinking out loud. Like these are hurdles that need to be cleared and God, I hope they clear them. But like, if you put a gun to my head and ask me, what do I think is going to happen? Uh, I think they're going to postpone to the spring. That's what, yeah. that's what it feels like. I feel, I feel like the big 10 could get even the sec on board with that, where it's like, we're not trying to get rid of your football season, but like, let's all just come together and let's not create mass chaos that's going to just completely new college football as we know it for the next 50 years. Let's just kind of push it down the road, do what we do best, and say, let's wait and see. Let's wait and see, because <laughs> we'll see you the second week of April when we kick off. And I think, yeah, yeah. that is what – I think at the end of the day, that's what the Big Ten's compromise may be, like with the, the contingency of the SEC and the ACC. And like I said, it, it's a far-fetched version of this, but we're, these coaches are so invested in, you know – giving their players the chance to, to yeah. play out their dreams and give them this moment. They've worked so hard for this. And there's a lot of that that they, you have to unpack. And like you said, I mean, the players are advocating Dude. for themselves to play. And we understand that as we love sports. We want to see these guys play and we want to see college football. That, that, is, that is where the loss in translation part of the divided part of this is like arguing over we want to play or we don't yeah. want to play. It's not as cut and dry as that conversation. And uh, 
I, I yeah, I think anybody who stressed as well. Yeah, yeah like anybody who's advocating not playing obviously wants like college football to happen. Like they, they would love to be able to turn on your TV. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say it's not even like even the part of me that says don't play isn't even so much uh, concerned about um, it, the, you know, like obviously I care about guys health, but I think, you know, if guys opt in and they say, I want, I want to take on the risk uh, you know, then I, I don't feel quite as bad if they, they are knowing what they're stepping into and there's good testing and there's like some semblance of a bubble, all that kind of stuff. That's not the part that scares me or, or I worry about. I, I worry about just the mindset of having like a short-term uh, instant gratification type mindset of like, we can't delay us. Like, like we just can't sacrifice a season. Uh, and it's easier said than done. I don't know the finances of all these programs. Like if, they, if, if you cancel a season, who knows? I, I'm not pretending to have all to, to have looked at all the books, but just the, the general mindset of like, let's make sure a season happens at any cost. Uh, I don't want whatever that means to then impact the next 50 years of the rest of my life of college sports, which is like kind of where it feels like it's headed, but it might be for the better too. I don't know. Maybe it'd be for the better. Like you said, maybe it's a super conference where like Ohio State, Clemson, and Alabama are all in the same conference for football only. So the like, Champions League. Yeah, yeah it's like the Champions League of college football. And, like, they, they just get together and they're like, to hell with the rest of, all, you know, all the, why should we care what the Northwestern nerds think about whether mm-hmm. we should play or not? Let's, let's, let's just start a conference with us three in Oklahoma and, like, throw in, like, five or six more. Again, we, that would terrify me. Yeah, yeah, if I'm an NFL team, that would terrify me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, people are going to watch that. I don't, but uh, so if, if we postpone to spring, because the, the NFL is kind of chugging along, huh? The NFL just says, I mean, because they can't, because I mean, it's a professional league. Like, they don't have to worry about this, these kinds of things. Yeah, like, exactly. You have a choice. If you don't want to play, that, that's yeah, your decision, just, and we're going to move yeah. on. And I mean, the NFL has been not for long. Like, that's a joke for quite some time. <laughs> so they have plenty of people that want to play in the NFL that, you know, if you don't want to play cornerback for the Ravens this year, you know, just throwing out Jimmy Smith, for example, they're going to say, okay, well, there's Jimmy Watson right over there and he wants to play. So we're going to pull him in and give him a jersey yeah. and see what happens. And I think in college, it's obviously a lot different. And I mean, I've even seen the the conversation about these guys being on campus as, as a better safe haven or it's a safer place for them to be in a lot of certain situations. And it, blanket state, we talk, I mean, we talk about this all down yeah, the show. Like, yeah. Blanket statements don't work about anything and every situation is different. And you just hope that the people that are there on the ground at these, like Northern Illinois, the athletic director uh, basically said, we had a situation with COVID on our campus with our player. His mom was explaining his situation. We were worried about what we didn't know and what could come, yeah. you know, because of what we don't know. So we made that decision based on that. So that's our decision. That's what we made based yeah. on our situation. And that's how most decisions are supposed to be made, at least from right. what I, I, you know, take away from the world. So I, I hope that, that we get more of that in college football. But like you said, when we have, a lot of Sade smooth operators out there and people trying to figure out situations to get in the SEC. Like, I mean, the Nebraska situation is going to be interesting if they are that gung-ho about playing football. Yeah. Because they love it. I Nebraska mean, hasn't yeah. played football in God knows how many years. Like, what, Here whatever comes it Frost. Is. Here comes yeah. Frost. Winter I just find, is coming. Yeah, I mean, like, for God's sakes, if you watch Nebraska against the Big Ten schedule, like, it, it looks like they're barely interested in playing. As What about is. winter football? <laughs> I know you're saying spring. Is there a chance Dude. we get Frost football where we get Dude, let's get winter football mm. uh, in the Big Ten. And in a bubble in Green Bay. We go let's to Green have, Bay, we play in Lambeau Field. 
let's have the playoff happen at Minnesota's field and at Green mm-hmm. Bay. And mm-hmm. uh, let's see Alabama. Soldier Field, yeah. like Bears. Yeah, it's a bit, the NFC North. <laughs> yeah, it's the let's see Clemson try to play Ohio State and, uh, yeah, and, and some, some Big Ten elements. So, so, somehow yeah. they're in the Dome. <laughs> and they, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're U.S. Bank Stadium. It's a SEC officiating crew. <laughs> <laughs> Ohio yeah. State. Yeah. god damn it dude justin fields played for ohio state for one season and it ended in the heartbreak i'll never get over it I'll, i will never ever get over how we lost to clemson and where are we gonna beat lsu i don't know but god damn that would have been so good joe burrow mm. versus ohio state in the mm. title game no one wanted to see clemson get, get clemson out of there yeah. we got screwed yeah. we shot ourselves in the foot and we still should have won and justin fields was going to come back to eight. He was going to win a national championship. I talked to him. I talked to him yesterday. I texted him. I said, will you win the national? He said, I, I plan on it. Yeah. And I was like, all right, well, let's play. <laughs> well, yeah, I was going to say, we're going to have a real uh, conflict of interest on this program when Mac Brown and Carolina and all the five stars line up and they say, we're playing yeah. the SEC this year. And you're looking at me and you're like, man, it's good to be on the moral high ground over here on the big, <laughs> yeah. in the big West, the big 10 West, where, yeah. we, where we just live our dreams. And I'm going to have to, like act like I'm not pulling for North Carolina as they play the SEC schedule. So the way it stands right now, I see the the reason that this is such a monumental thing beyond like, obviously it's unprecedented. We've never had a college football season or a lifetime canceled. Uh, And the fact that it might happen is, is crazy, but just forecasting the future of the next 10, 15, whatever. So years of college sports, I feel like this is the watershed moment. I feel like no matter what happens here, it can never be the same because if football is played, if they decide we are going to play a season, it's going to happen right now. It's going to take some admission that these are not amateur players, which we've known forever. Uh, you know, that, that's been the discourse around the NCAA for the last decade, basically. But at this, at this point, you got to bring it all onto the table. The NCAA has to come to the table and say, all right, fine, we'll admit it. They're not amateurs, which will obviously – fundamentally change what college sports are in this country if for them to do that they're kind of like dipping their toes in like entertaining name image likeness stuff whatever whatever but in order in order for this to happen they have to come to the table and be like all right you're not amateurs mm-hmm. let's figure out what you are semi-pro is it like what, what is it but you're not amateurs in doing so they have to recognize whatever i i don't i don't know labor i'm not a labor movement uh uh <laughs> specialist so i don't know yeah, if you'd call this a union okay. quite yet but yeah. uh whatever it is that's forming with these players you'd have to like recognize that and be like all right the players kind of want some shit we should probably talk to them about this which are fundamentally like we said because the ncaa has historically you think of the uh who's the northwestern quarterback in like 2013 that yeah i can't remember Coulter. his name, yeah, his name yeah, like yeah, Coulter, yeah. right king yeah, Coulter. yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you tried to unionize and they were like, no, 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 get your ass out of here so this would be unprecedented they'd have they kind of have to acknowledge that uh, and that, that is a situation where football is played. Football not played, I feel like, obviously, a season being canceled. God, who knows? Like, or, or it's played in, like, the SEC plays, but the Big Ten doesn't. Like, how is that going to affect Big Ten recruiting? How is that – are guys just going to mass transfer to the SEC? Is, is Scott Frost and are, – are Scott Frost and Jim Harbaugh and Ryan Day going to lose their minds because they've been very vocal about, like, we want to play a season? And mm-hmm. is there going to be conference realignment because – Ohio State's like, what the hell? Why are we at, we, we kick everyone's ass in the Big Ten already. Why are we with these assholes that won't let us play? I don't know. And, and w- w- whatever happens, it's going to be crazy. We'll just put it that way. Yeah, it's going to be absolutely insane. And it's going to be a lot of figuring out who is the, the top tier. Like we talk about Power Five, and that always sounds good. You know, it's like we can package these guys in a Power Five, but there is a subsect of top tier teams within that Power Five, of course, we know. And that we're going to really figure out who is. Like Oklahoma State is one of those teams where 
Oklahoma State's probably going to play football. I mean, my, you know, Mike Gundy's going to play football. Yeah. And, like, Texas is probably going to play football. I mean, that's just – Oklahoma's going to play football. Um, you know, and it's not just the – I know it keeps saying Alabama and the SEC, but, like, there's Big 12 teams that seem just as yeah. keen on oh, the yeah. idea. And they're going to – they're all gonna, they're all talking to each other. Well, I mean, I, it's, it's, it's beyond it's, – it's cultural. It's beyond, like, like it's, yeah. it's not just – it's not, like, just a political thing. Like it, like, and know, the assumption that, it, about... that it's going to work like March Madness where it's a, a domino effect where the Big Ten and the Pac-12 say this, so these yeah. conferences say this, that's not the case. And I think what you're saying is 100% right because – as soon as the Big Ten says we're not playing football, every kid on Michigan that's a five-star is getting called from Auburn yeah. and Mississippi State and, you know, all these other teams that are down there that are like, come play with us. Yeah. And then you're yeah. like – and then like you said, you're like poaching the entire – and who knows what that looks like. As they should, dude, because by the way, like yeah. it's – I don't think it's – I think the, 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 a lot of these guys are trying to get to the NFL, and it's, it's so much – it's so much harder to get – from what I understand, uh, as I see it, being like, even if you're a five-star guy, even if you're the, the starting whatever on a, a, a highly ranked team, like it is harder to get noticed and appreciated and whatever and drafted to the NFL uh, than it is in the NBA. Like if, you, if you're a, if you're Cade Cunningham, for example, and he, he decided he doesn't want to stay at Oklahoma State, he, that dude could go anywhere in the world. He could just sit on his ass for six months and he's going to be a top five pick and he's going to be fine. And away we go with his career. Football guys don't have that luxury. So yeah, if there's not a season, of course, like guys are going to want to transfer. It's not like if you're if you play for Michigan, you're not necessarily saying I hate Michigan, screw Jim Harbaugh, screw the Big Ten. It's like, listen, man, I'm trying to get to the league, and if it's sitting out for a year, isn't going to get me there. But if I go down to Mississippi State and I can play there, I'm going. I'm sorry, that's just how yeah, it's going to yeah. have to be. Wait, wait, there the was a, I can't remember the Purdue wide receiver that just came out, and he's like, I'm Rondell I'm, Moore. Yeah, 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 exactly. And he was great. I mean, he I remember him from the Ohio State game, and he was like, I got to go try to make this work with my NFL dream. If I'm the NFL, I feel like there's some sort of something that like a supplemental draft for these guys that if that were to happen, right. And they were in these situations, they could say, Hey, we're going to yeah. put on a supplemental draft to try to get you guys filtered into the NFL or get you in some sort of developmental program, because yeah. we understand this is extenuating circumstances, but uh, who knows? Well, well that, that'll be interesting with the, I mean, the NFL just have to move the draft back, I guess, but if then, cause the NFL has kind of said, we, we move nothing for nobody. We do yes. our own thing. Yes. Uh, and the idea of the NFL having their draft, like as the college football season's going on, what are the implications there? Does Trevor Lawrence, like, I know he says he wants to play now, but like if, if it's week six of the season and he gets drafted number one, as he's, as he's playing for Clemson, I mean, at that point, he just stops playing, right? Like yeah, and the Washington football team is like, we want you to be our quarterback. And he's yeah, like, yeah. okay, oh, great, great. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, he's like, all right, well, I'll, uh, I'll stay. But, you know, if that's what it takes, if then all the top guys step away, like, I mean, whatever. That it's also fair. changes college football forever. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it does. Like yeah, said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh... <laughs> I just hope college basketball is a plan, man. And it seems like yeah. like the way they're talking, like they're at least talking. <laughs> they're at least talking to each other about a plan. They're at that, least but... like, we should acknowledge that this is a weird circumstance and we can't just sit on our hands and wake up in November or January or whatever it is we think we might be able to start a season and just assume that everything's going to be fine. We can just roll the balls out and play. Um, and I think that that's, that's ultimately what my frustration is with the college football stuff is like, I don't have the answers. I'm not paid to have the answers. Uh, but you are all, all of you guys that are in charge here, you are. And, and, and the fact that like, nobody even tried anything there was there to, to my knowledge, there was nobody that was like, what if we did it this way? What if we tried this? All right, here's some challenges we're gonna have to deal with. It was always just like, we'll wait and see, and we'll figure it out and we'll see how the NBA bubble works. And, and I don't know. And it just kind of, 
the day of reckoning came and now everyone's losing their minds <laughs> and i don't know how it's going to shake out but it's yeah, going to be fascinating i don't either and there's so many leaked reports and different things that are coming out that i'm just hoping at some point like you said there's at least a uh, a state of the union or a state of the players union or a state of the power five union or the state of the college football contingency or whatever it may be i don't know where condoleezza rice is but these seem like the times where we pull in that super committee and say hey guys maybe you uh, Chuck Norris, you get on there. Everyone gives a vote, and uh, and we and we see what people want to do. It's like Fauci, Chuck Norris, and kind of Lisa Rice. They each give a thumbs up, thumbs down, dodgeball situation, and and we see where we are because, like you said, it just keeps getting drawn out. Wait and see doesn't work, and people want answers. And the more that you wait, the more the hysteria draws up. The more the people are thinking it's going to go according to plan if they don't hear anything too. So yeah. that frustration comes into play. I, it's a, uh, I mean. It, it's gonna we be just need gonna we, be we just need a guy like like even even like a dave gavitt for college football would be awesome like dave gavitt was never the guy in all of college basketball but like if dave gavitt stepped up and was like i am going to be the commissioner of college basketball i feel like most people in college basketball at the time would have been like all right that makes sense cool like we'll, we'll listen to whatever you say anyway like every idea you've had is genius um like there, there's there's not even a candidate in college football. That's that's what's so crazy to me is just how fractured it is and how it's always been, and and that's the way it's been forever. And that's how we got to this system. But the fact that I mean the fact that the NCAA oversees college sports, Tate, like just just really it boils down to this. This blows my mind every time I think about it. The NCAA is the governing body of all of college sports, yet the biggest college sport in the country. The NCAA does have power over them in the sense that uh, when Jim Tressel lies about knowing about tattoos, they can put sanctions on Ohio state's football program and force him to resign. They have power in that regard. And yet they do not crown a champion at the highest level of their biggest sport. The sport that is worth $10 billion plus they don't crown a champion. They're like, you guys just figure it out amongst yourselves, fight amongst yourselves, whatever you decide. And then the system was once upon a time, just let the, the, the blue check marks of the AP poll vote. Then mm -hmm. it became the BCS and now we have the college football playoff. But at no point is Mark Emmert ever handing out the NCAA college football title trophy to an Alabama or a Clemson. He's just like, you guys figure it out, which is absolute bonkers if you think about it. That well, makes no goddamn it, sense. It, it makes it less definitive and more regionally – like people are more fired up, right? Because if you yeah. are the best – if you're Notre Dame and you are number one in the country, but you're Miami and you're like, we're way better than them and they play <laughs> yeah. each other. You know what I mean? It's kind of like – those moments you should just be like the AP voters, like, well, they never played each other. Like, let's do it. Or yeah. sometimes they schedule the game yeah. or whatever it is. But it's always been, like you said, a, an idea that we made happen to then determine something as opposed to like, you look at the tournament, it's this infrastructure that is there at sub level. And uh, I don't know, the FCS, the championship, and James Madison, people were yelling at you about this. I, I saw Yeah, they were. Because I said, yeah. Because, yeah. but like, my goodness, like, that's the funniest thing I've ever heard in my entire life because we're in the space where, what even is the BCS? What even is like, you know what I mean? And then you could just do that again. Like say we are the FBS separately of this and we're doing yeah. it and we're playing over here and we don't associate. The with college it. football playoff is not going to be called the college football playoff in 10 years. It's going to be, they're going to, there's going to be a new iteration of it. That's mm. the, the, the super college, the super college. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know, super and, then we got, and then we got a new acronym <laughs> crowning the national champion. And at no point are the, yes. is the acronym going to be NCAA, which is insane, which like that, just that fact alone explains how we got here. Uh, that there's just not, there's, there is no governing body of, of mm -hmm. college football. It's a, the wild West. The bowl system has reigned supreme. It has been regional. They tried to like throw an umbrella over it. It was a half measure umbrella that like didn't really, 
get everyone on the same page. And now there's a national crisis and we need everyone on the same page. And the exact opposite is happening. And every, not only just every conference, every single school, every individual player, every individual yep. coach is like to hell with what everyone else thinks. This is where I stand. Mm -hmm. Do it this way. Yeah, and this is what I think. This is what we should do. And, you know, it's funny. It's, it's the exact join or die Ben Franklin model, you know, from the colonial times where it's like, yeah. but we don't even have someone like a bit. We don't have, we don't, where's Ben Franklin? You know what I mean? Where's yeah. someone to say, <laughs> either we all join together and we save this and we salvage this together and we have an actual plan and a vision together, or yeah. we all separate and we have no strength. And it, like you said, it just all blows up in our face. And none of what we had is even there. And it's a relic of the past time. And, you know, positive vibes only. Anything else? I think we hit it all. I think uh, it doesn't – like, honestly, by the time this podcast comes out, they're going to have our they, Yeah, they, they have a plan. <laughs> the, the ACC and the SEC are together. They're a joint conference. Yeah, yeah. It's – it's it's yeah. Uh, AEC. The, the war will have already started. <laughs> and, yeah, who, who the hell knows what the world's going to look like. But um, I kind of like – S. I like SCC. SCC? SCC. Southern – ACC. Oh, like, yeah. Southern Coastal, Southern Coastal Conference. Conference. Yeah. SCC. I like the, that. The, the big SCC. And then this is the dollar sign. It's the SCC. <laughs> and it kind of sounds the dollar like dollar sign with two, two cents. Like yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. SCC. Yeah. Like we're two times over. <laughs> we still have the big money. <laughs> we got two more. It would be later. dope. It would be dope if a, a promotion relegation happens. In Man. College that, the My, college football has always been the, the – if promotion relegation is going to happen in American sports, I feel like it's got to happen at college football. But um, six years ago, um, I, I am terrified of right now because I'm like, man, North Carolina is going to end up in the AAC at the end of this whole football show. Yeah. But right now with Mac Brown and the five stars, I'm like, I think we're going to the SEC. We want a podcast. We're putting that out there. Hashtag yeah. we want to pod. We, that is, that is our stance on this. Let's make this happen. Positive vibes only. We, we hope there's a way it can happen. There's a ton of hurdles. I think the most likely outcome is they, they postpone it to spring. I think that's a compromise for everybody. But We all get football that way. That'd be nice. I don't know. But if it doesn't happen, like, I'm here for not only just the football, but the content itself that would come from the SEC to saying, y'all be damned. <laughs> We're playing, baby. S Keep it moving. C S C C. Crowd's going All right, uh, we're going to take a break, and then Tate's going to come back and complain about Devontae Graham not getting enough respect. Let's do it. Quick break to get a word from our sponsor, DraftKings. DraftKings has brought their expertise to legal sports betting. It's a legitimate sports book based right here in the U.S., so you can rest assured that your funds are totally secure. DraftKings, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your money at your own convenience. You can even use the free live bet function where you can place a pregame money line bet on a single game of at least $25 and users will receive a $10 free bet to use on a live market within that game. New users get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Head to the app right now and check out all that they have to offer, including player props, live betting, and so much more. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TATE when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook has a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Just enter promo code TATE when you sign up. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem will call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. We are also brought to you by our good friends at Whoop. Whoop is a fitness wearable that provides personalized insights on the performance of your sleep, how recovered you are, and how much stress you put on your body throughout the day from both your workouts and the normal stressors of life. 
Uh, the Whoop Journal, Tate. I want to talk about yes. this. The, yes. the So part of the, I've, I've been highlighting the good parts of Whoop, which is like it tells you how much gas you have in the tank. <laughs> you wake up. Today I woke up with 86%. I was a little – I, I, but it says I'm 86% recovered. So it's like go out and run. Go, Sounds go like be a active. B to me. Yeah, strong. And then B. I was like, eh, well, maybe not. So I'm going to do it tomorrow. But um, the bad parts are this, that you have to th- – there's a, there's a feature with Whoop where you document all that all you do throughout the day. So you, your, your Whoop journal, you, you track the decisions you make, how much you drink, how much sleep you get, like all, the, all these decisions you're making that impact your health. Uh, I am finding that I drink way too much. Is what mm, I've discovered. Mm, mm. I uh, every day I have to log how many. You don't have to, but it, it gives you more. Coors Light earmuffs right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm so I've been smashing the Coors Light the last mm. couple of weeks. Whoop is highlighting that for me. I don't necessarily have a problem with it, but uh, it's just kind of you know some of the bad habits are are coming mm. to light, and you're kind of having to reconcile those. So uh, I appreciate that from Whoop, and we're gonna try to do. Thank better. you, Whoop. That's all you can mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. Uh, Whoop is offering 15% off when you use the code Titus at checkout. Go to whoop.com w-h-o-o-p.com enter the code titus to save 15 percent. sleep better recover faster train smarter know much know how much you have in the tank know how much you're drinking and all that other stuff with whoop today all right so before we get to our most improved list uh update we're recording this as the raptors bucks game is going on right now Mm-hmm. The Raptors are up 14 at halftime. Matt Thomas now has 15 points in 16 minutes. So is my reputation intact? I, I very famously got, got heated. I said, you're out of your gourd if you think this man is not going to go off mm. in a game in the bubble. Mm. Mm. Is it, am I off the hook now or does he, have to, does he have to go nuts again? No, this is it. Matt Thomas's first quarter is something we will all remember where we were when it happened in the bubble. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, as I sat here, I saw Matt Thomas shooting out of the corner of my eye. And oddly enough, we were doing this podcast and you were saying great things. You were saying, I'm past it. The bubble has worked. I am a bubble guy. Why, <laughs> why was I not a bubble guy before? And then Matt Thomas, it was just like angels in the outfield. It was like you came inside of his body and then you started shooting threes. And it was the yeah. rainmaker all over again, and it was great to see. Uh, a lot of times in the business, uh, you, you got to be smart with when you decide to, to to go for it and just say, I, you know, and just go. But but you feel your juice is flowing, and you feel you, you start making a point, and you're like, you know what, I'm going there. I'm saying it. This is definitely going to happen. Mm-hmm. Book it. Write it. Jalen Rose did this. I, I saw in his program uh, recently it. Talking, talking about Michigan is going to beat Ohio State. Probably because he had intel that the season was going to be canceled. So that way he was like, Michigan is definitely going to beat Ohio State this year, knowing full well they're not even going to play. And then he can always point back and be like, well, we would have. But I saw him. He was like, we're going to beat Ohio State this year. And I respect that, like, you have to pick and choose your spots. And for whatever reason, I was talking about Matt Thomas, and I just got fired up. And I was like, he's definitely going to do it. And then we stopped recording. I was like, what have I done? (laughs) What have I done? What is Matt Thomas doing? Uh, What he was doing was sitting patiently, waiting for his moment. And he came in and he delivered. And I think that's the whole point of most improved, right? You know, it's like it's believing in a guy and seeing a guy get to their full potential and also investing in themselves to get that full potential. Which brings us to the greatest debate of all time uh, in this year, in this moment, in this bubble experience, which is the most improved player in this Mm -hmm. current NBA. Yeah. which brings us to Luka Doncic, uh, or Doncic, or Luka, as I just like to call him, because I don't care to argue about how to say his name properly in a Serbian fashion. <laughs> Luka came out after beating the Bucks in this amazing game where he was being called Luka Magic, Luka Legend, uh, Luka Jordan, uh, whatever, whatever they could say that didn't make any sense. Where he uh, invented the between-the-legs pass that uh, 
everyone was so everyone was so blown away by Luke inventing it that they got in a time machine and went back and started doing it themselves years ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's kind of crazy that Pistol Pete was doing that back in the day. Um, who would have thought Jason Williams was doing that in Madison Square Garden all the time? I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> I just started watching basketball, as they like to say. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, Luca, after the game, he said, who votes in this? Talking about the MIP voting. He was one of the three that was included in the list. Uh, and then Brad Townsend is the reporter who said, well, 100 of us, uh, including me, Luca said, take me off the list and put at Devontae Graham on there. I don't deserve to be on there, which is a little rough translation. I think, obviously, he was saying, I deserve to be on a higher yeah, yeah. list. Um, it but seems like was, very humble, but then he's like, I'm yeah, too good he, for this shit. Exactly. He was <laughs> yeah. like, most improved? Are you kidding me? I'm already one of the best players in the league. How can I be most improved? Yeah. I don't understand what you're saying. Which begs the question, what is going on with the disrespect towards Michael Jordan's team, right? Michael mm-hmm. Jordan is the owner of the Charlotte Hornets. You and I both know this. I document it all the time. His point guard is a second-round pick, a success story, a guy that was a part of a trade for Shea Gilgis-Alexander, a guy that just in the same vein as Kobe Bryant said, you know what? I don't want to play in Charlotte. <laughs> I want to play with the Clippers. So Jerry West and Mitch Kupchak make a deal. Miles Bridges goes to Charlotte. Shea Gilgis-Alexander goes to the Clippers. Devontae Graham, a.k.a. the 36th pick, goes or mm-hmm. 35th pick, goes to Charlotte. They take Devontae Graham. They say, uh, we'll give this kid a shot. We'll see what happens. He's a local kid. We like him. He works hard. Devontae Graham averages 4.7 points per game, doesn't play that much. I think he starts three games, but was a non-factor. And, again, like you said, he was Frank Mason's shadow. A lot of people kind of would always forget his name when he was a kid. They're like, oh, yeah, the other guard. He's great. And they went to the Final Four, but you know, are overshadowed by the whole Villanova domination kind of mm-hmm. thing. So Devontae Graham had been – in the shadows a little bit. And then this year, Kimball Walker leaves during the summer and everyone kills Mitch Kupchak. How do you not get anything for Kimball Walker? Oh, my goodness. You don't want to pay Kimball Walker. He did so much with his first guys. <laughs> Losing their mind. Uh, you know, not have obviously having not watched Kimball Walker, uh, you know, over the past seven years, flounder to not make the playoffs, you know, but by himself, by himself, by himself. We're building a young team. Devontae Graham steps into the, to the, you know, basically to the position as the point guard of this team. 18 points per game makes over 200 threes, is running the show, looks great, is having these you know, moments in Madison Square Garden, kind of builds a nice little young core with Bridges and PJ and you know, Malik Monk every once in a while, depending on how high he may be that day, he can get in on the action. <laughs> it, 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 it's like a great young core, and it's all come from Devontae Graham, who is – like if you've seen the Hornets practice facility – it's not a place that you really want to work out. It doesn't look great. You know, you see Cody Zeller in there. It looks like he's in 1989 with Kelly Trapuca, and they're, like, you know, lifting weights together because they haven't changed or updated anything since then. Devontae Graham's always working out. He's always at the gym. He's always hanging out. He's always talking about basketball. He's always getting in these little Twitter back and forth with people that are talking junk about him. Um, in fact, the J. Cole thing happened. He's like, I should have just been a rapper if I want to get an NBA tryout. Yeah. He wants the smoke. He wants the moment, but he also – has been at a Kansas where he's had to play the like, oh, shucks, I'm humble, you know, in mm-hmm. Lawrence, Kansas. And it's not about me. It's about the team. He's been able to play both sides of that. He's got Chris Paul as a mentor, a guy that I think is one of the most pure point guards we have left in the game. He's teaching him how to do things. He's got Michael Jordan, his hero, who's the owner of his team. He's playing for him. He's excited about that. And again, the NBA doesn't even let them go to the bubble, like see, just do what the Suns did, and they snub him for most improved player. And I don't understand, Titus. Why, why would you not buy into a – like, we love Draymond. We love when Draymond goes, let me list all the guys picked in front of me and then decides to say Harrison Barnes very, very emphatically every single time and get me all upset. <laughs> Devontae Graham, he has the same thing. 
Let him do I lo- it. I love that. What a rant. Well done. That was great. I, uh, I love what you, you tweeted something like you said, uh, uh, the Charlotte Hornets are an NBA team. And that's, yes, that's like kind of all you said. They exist. They exist. They exist. They're an NBA team that exists. I love that. The branding for the Charlotte Hornets. I love that. Like <laughs> we exist. We exist. Like that's your that's your tagline. Yes. And then like even as like I picture in a world where the Hornets get really really good, and then they're going to the finals, or going to the Eastern Conference Finals, and every time you like you sweep, the semifinals. The semifinals. Yeah, you sweep a team, and you just put like we exist, and that's like yes. your your rallying cry. Yes. Like, we exist. <laughs> we do exist. Yeah, exactly. That's where they are. Charlotte Hornets are basically there's these people that are on the internet that think the Hornets are a Vancouver Grizzlies, like a team of the past. You know what I mean? They don't yeah, exist yeah. anymore. They're here. <laughs> Stop wearing the gear from the '90s and buy the new gear. They're the Bobcats. They died with the Bobcats. Yeah. Uh, it's like stop wearing it at Coachella. So here's what happened. I I texted Tate. I was like, we should do a top five. Like we we were doing all those. Those of you guys have been listening uh, throughout the pandemic. You know that we've been doing a lot of these like top five things. And um, that's because we've had nothing to talk about. Yeah. And uh, it's just, we're just trying to we're scraping the bottom of the barrel for content. And then uh, you know, basketball came back. Sports are sort of back now, and we have stuff to talk about. But I found myself missing doing a top five. Like we haven't done one in a little mm-hmm. while because. Sports are back. We don't need to. And I was like, wait, we should bring it back. We should do something. What should we talk about? And you said, and I quote, I'm livid about this Devontae. I don't that's not what you said. But no, pretty, I mean, pretty much. I mean, I don't think I could yeah, put yeah. my words in order. You were hot about the Devontae Green thing. So I said, what the hell? What if we did something around that? And that's what we're going to do now. We're going to do our top five most improved basketball players. What, what are the parameters for this? I'll start with mine. I did, yes, please. I did top five, just like when you say the phrase, Basketball players who improved, that's all my list is. So it could be from your Great. freshman year of college till Perfect. your senior year of college. It could be uh, over the course of one season in college or in the NBA. It could be rookies in the NBA who weren't that good, who ended up being good. It doesn't really matter. I, it's, it's a guy who at one point in time I watched him play. He was not that good. And then another point in time I watched him and I was like, holy shit, this guy's really good. That's pretty yes. much it. Yeah, 100%. I, here's my criteria in one sentence. What they were versus who they became. and uh, mm-hmm. Which means like I saw them at a point and I'm like, there's no way that person would end up being this person. And, yeah. it, is, and it has blown my mind that they went from this to that. And as simple as that. And it's very open-ended and I can't wait to see what your list is because my list – I mean, the only thing I will say before we get started is the best players in basketball, in my opinion, are the people that their games improved over time. Like they, they yeah. grew into great players. They didn't just, yeah. they they just didn't show up and they were like, I'm great. That yeah. has never happened. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Unlike what five-star yes. people may think. Yeah, exactly. All right. So uh, yeah, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be year to year. We're not doing it like the NBA mm-hmm. does where like last year you suck this year. You're good. It's just more of like a progression. I remember you sucking. Now you're good. That's at least how it is for me. So I'm going to, I'll start. My number five pick, uh, this is a situation of freshman year college to senior year college. Mm. Uh, it's, it's a man who played in the 90s for the Purdue Boilermakers. He is now the head coach of your Missouri Tigers. His name is Conzo Martin. And, Tate, I have some stats for you. Let's Conzo go. Martin's freshman year and sophomore year. We're going to throw them together. Mm. He goes into his junior year. He is shooting zero for seven from the three-point line combined for his entire career. He was 0 for seven. He'd shot seven times in two years, hadn't made a damn one. Mm. His final two seasons at Purdue, he shoots about 200 threes per season. He all of a sudden is like, I'm going to just start jacking threes. He shoots 45% from the three-point line as a junior, 47% as a senior. They went back-to-back Big Ten titles his final two years at Purdue. Uh, he, he averaged 5.8 points as a freshman. By the time he's a senior, he was averaging 18. 
it is it is a statistical anomaly. It, it blows my mind every time I think about it. Uh, it is one of those stats that like I like to pull out as like a trivia question to people every so often. But Conzo Martin, 0 for 7 in his first two years from three, suddenly becomes a lights out three point shooter for Purdue. And it's inexplicable. I don't know how it happened. I don't, I don't, I don't know what happened. That's a great pick. And, and obviously you're listening to me a little bit different than mine, but mine is a three point <laughs> shooter. Uh, as well. I saw your eyes light up by the way, when I said Cosmo Martin out of the game, I, like, I was holy like, holy shit. We, we're, we have different lists. <laughs> well, I mean, it kind of works because it's interesting in the sense that like my pick, my number five pick is Danny green. And, and Danny green is, is a similar player in a sense where his, you know, shot or whatever he, he matured into his senior year, but it wasn't all by choice. So he comes out of North Babylon. He's a four-star recruit. He comes into a great situation where North Carolina has a lot of top-tier guys, Brandon Wright, Tyler Hansbro, Ty Lawson, Wayne Ellington, all these guys getting shots over him. After his sophomore year, he says, I think I'm going to transfer. I think I'm going to get out of here. And he's going into the 08 season. You know, he kind of mulls over the decision, but some for some reason decides to stay for his junior year. Again, after his junior year, they have a great year, but they get blown out by Kansas in the Final Four. He's like, I'm going to the NBA the NBA says, what, why? Why are you going to the NBA? No, you're not. Yeah, no, you're not. You're going back. Uh, he goes back to his senior year. And again, like he, he was doing this because I remember Danny was living like in a basement. All he had was a mattress. I mean, this guy, is, his dad was in prison, uh, you know, before his going into his senior year. There's a lot of stuff going on in Danny's life. So the basketball was growing, but also his story was so magnificent. This senior year, they win the national championship. He is a very pivotal part of that team. He gets drafted to the Cavaliers. I'm super excited. I'm like, Danny Green, Cavaliers, LeBron James. LeBron James says, I'm going to Miami. I'm taking my towns <laughs> to South Beach. Danny Green is G League. You know, I think I'll never see Danny Green again. Mm-hmm. Danny Green uh, and Chip England, who went to Duke, great shooting coach. They worked together a little bit with the Spurs. He ends up setting the NBA record for most three-point field goals in the finals at the time uh, in 2013. And was on pace to maybe be the finals MVP. Hit 23 threes in that series. Ray Allen's shot, of course, is the shot everyone points to that saved the Heat, I guess, or whatever term you want to use. Helped the Heat win that game and ended up winning that series. But Danny Green's growth from uh, I'm going to transfer because I can't get playing time at North Carolina to setting an NBA record for most threes in the finals and going from a G League guy to a four, from a four-star guy all the way to that position. Uh, it was a great growth. So Danny Green, number five. Uh, Danny Green on the 9 the own that is a great pick. I, I'm with you that I, I remember Danny Green just suddenly being good in NBA games, and I was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> yeah, I, exactly. I he like, kind of disappeared. Like I remember him in North exactly. Carolina. Obviously, he was he was great. He was what like the third best player, Lawson and Hansborough. Uh, I mean, Ellington maybe fourth. Yeah, 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 fourth. yeah. Ellington, anyway, Ellington was most outstanding. Player. Like if you if you follow college basketball, you remember Danny Green on the 09 Carolina team, and yep. then uh, he just kind of disappeared, just like as you said, dude, playing G League, whatever, finding his finding his way. And then, yeah, I, I remember having those exact thoughts of just like, oh, my God, Danny Green's like, good. <laughs> How'd that happen? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then everyone's like, Popovich, he's done it again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not only is he good, would you say that of the 09 Carolina team, he's had the best pro career? I mean, the choices are – I haven't pulled up right here. One, two, three, four, five, six. There were seven guys on that team that played in the NBA. Uh, Tyler Zeller, Larry mm-hmm. Drew. Was Larry Drew have the best NBA career, would you say? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, Ed Davis. Larry Drew Sr., yes. Ed Davis, Ed Davis. Uh, Danny, Danny Green, Ty Lawson, Wayne Ellington, Tyler Hansborough. Those are the guys that I'll play. I mean, the good news is that a lot of those guys other than Lawson are, are still in the league itself. But Ty Lawson has made a lot of money in China because he's still playing the superstar game a little bit. He's got the Marmary yeah. thing going on. So he's been uh, getting it's, – it's different. It's like, what do you want to do? Do you want to make a lot of money or do you want to stay in the NBA and be yeah. like Ed Davis? Because I think if you ask a lot of guys in the league who their favorite pro's pro is, 
easy Ed's always the answer. People are like, man, I love Ed Davis. All he does is set screens and get rebounds. Like that's, yeah. that's all I want. That's my yeah. guy. So um, yeah, I think the best pro is obviously Danny Green. And he's also got the best story because like I said, LeBron shunned him at the front end of his career. He beats LeBron in 2014 with Kawhi. And now he's full circle. Now he's going to let LeBron Kawhi again. Now yeah, he's going to let LeBron down in the, in the <laughs> playoffs and cost LeBron a ring. It's great. It comes full yeah. circle. <laughs> it's always good to get blamed for it's your fault, Danny Green. Yeah, that's now he's going to go 0 for 7 in, yeah. in game six of the Western Finals and, yeah. and cost the Lakers the title. Great. That, that's now, how it works. <laughs> uh, speaking of LA NBA teams, my number mm. four pick is Paul George. Uh, and this most improved mm. goes from college Paul George to the Paul George we all know and love today. Mm-hmm. Um, not Paul George was not a bad college player, but it, it blows my mind that Paul George has become who Paul George is today. I, I'll just put it that way. Paul George, you look back on his career at Fresno State, his his sophomore season, he only played two years. His sophomore season, he averaged 17, 7, and 3, which is not bad stats by any stretch of the imagination, but he was playing for a fifth-place team in the WAC. They go 15 and 18. So, like, it's not like he was playing alongside a bunch of other great players and he had to share the ball and didn't get as many touches. It's not like, you know, he was sacrificing stats for wins. You have a guy who was a top 10 pick, who was a perennial all-star, who is probably going to be a Hall of Famer, almost certainly going to be a Hall of Famer, playing in the whack, having the ultra green light, and he's only putting up like 17 and 7. Like that is <laughs> – anybody that says they remember Paul George's college career is lying. Oh, or they or were a fan of Fresno State. Yeah, or, or you're a Fresno, Fresno State. Yeah. Like – and and, and – you know, I, I'm not saying he was bad, but again, by any stretch of the imagination, but 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 just for him to become what he has become is is pretty mind blowing to me. Looking back on it, that he is he's, he's the second best Indiana Pacer at least. I, he might be better than Reggie, like in raw in raw talent, mm-hmm. he's definitely better than Reggie. Mm-hmm. But you know, Pacers, you can't say that. Us Pacers fans get sensitive. About that. But uh, <laughs> you can't say that. The fact just that say a guy, TJ Warren, to say TJ Warren's your guy. Yeah, 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 there you go. Or I Jermaine know, O'Neal, maybe that's a good one. The the, the fact that a guy uh, who just averaged seventeen and seven for a fifth place whack team ended up being like one of the best players in a franchise's history is is good enough to I don't to do everything he's done and make the Hall of Fame and be everything he's become is is just crazy to me. You're number four. Uh, my number four is a guy that this could be uh, up for debate depending on your terminology or your belief in most improved. Mine is, again, what they were versus who they became. Tracy McGrady. Um, mm-hmm. Tracy McGrady went to Mount Zion. He, was, uh, he got discovered at the ABCD camp. He is a uh, cousin of Vince Carter, but they found that after the fact, you know, that they were cousins. And anyways, he, he was Wait, found What do you camp. mean they? they? Like Vince and Tracy didn't know until they were playing on the Raptors together? It, no, yeah, later on in life, exactly. That was how what? they – Yeah, exactly. They, they did not piece it together. But it was, I think, Barstow, Florida, or something, something happened, or Bradenton, Florida. One of them came back or flew back, and then it was kind of like, well – you're going to North Carolina and Vince is already at North Carolina. And it was a family. Then, re- they ran into each other at the family. Yeah. And, and then, <laughs> and then, you know, the, the word around town was that Tracy is going to go to Durham. He's going to play at Mount Zion. Then he's going to go to Duke, which is hilarious when you think about the irony of Zion and be playing at Mount Zion. And then the Zion that would come 20 years later and go to Duke. But anyways, Tracy McGrady had the choice to go to the NBA. He decided to go to the NBA. He goes to the Toronto Raptors. He's playing with his cousin, his cousin, he's 18. His cousin is way better than him. And he really had a bad attitude about it. I mean, mm-hmm. not to not to put it lightly, but as being a little brother, I know what it's like to have a bad attitude. So he had a bad attitude early on. He's averaging seven points per game, not really playing that much. 
And then uh, the second year, 9.3 points per game. And then his last year in Toronto, before he demands the trade to get out of there and breaks Vince Carter's heart and all the hopes that we had of, you know, you know, basically Vince Carter being this great champion, uh, he leaves, he averages 15 points per game, and then he makes a leap of 11 points per game. 26.8 points per game his first year with the Magic. Next year, 25.6 points per game. And then he leads the league, the scoring champion, the next year, 32 points per game. Um, and that leap from my first year, I make seven, I'm seven points per game. I'm kind of not, not out of the way, but I, I definitely am not involved. I'm still figuring yeah. it out. And then to make that entire leap of like, I am one of the best players in all of basketball. People want to, I wanted to watch the Orlando Magic. Uh, I wanted to see Tracy McGrady. T-Mac was a whole thing. I mean, it was Kobe, T-Mac, Vince. That was who you wanted to see. AI, of course, is in the mix there at that time. Shaq is, you know, I mean, we know the usual suspects, but T-Mac was on a different level. And the fact that I remember going to a high school game when I was super little and watching him play, and there was so so many people that were kind of like, yeah, I can see it, but he's no, you know, there, there, there's that whole crowd of like, he just doesn't have it. You know, he didn't have that yeah. killer instinct or whatever it may be. And when he went to Orlando, that whatever childish fire that he had in Toronto about not being the favorite one there and Vince taking all that shine, he like, he lit on fire and it was unbelievable. And uh, I was shocked by the whole transformation. So T-Mac, in my mind, is a guy that improves so much. But people may say he's naturally talented, so how much could he really improve? He, he was one of those guys that, like, fell through the cracks to me. Uh, in, I, I, always, I always found it so fascinating in the, ni- in the late 90s, early 2000s, when guys were going from high school to the pros. It, like, blew my mind. Because, I, yep. you know, growing up in Indiana, Garnett, I, yeah. I loved high school basketball. And I'd go to all these high school basketball games. And when I started seeing that happening where guys were going, I, it would, like, reframe how I'd watch high school basketball games. And I'm like, holy shit, like, guys that are playing against these guys are suddenly playing against <laughs> – Shaq or whatever you know uh or Jordan um so I I was always like enamored with guys that went straight to to the pros and I never like Tracy McGrady felt like when he started getting really 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 good like all-star level like kids wanted to be him on the and they're buying his jerseys at my school and all that kind of stuff I I I, it was like it broke my brain because I was like I don't remember him being drafted I don't remember him he was never on my list of like guys that came like out look out for it. Yeah. 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 It was never, I, I was making lists. Like I was putting everyone else on there, but I would never have thought of like Tracy McGrady just cause like he was, he was drafted ninth, which was, you know, it's pretty high obviously, but it wasn't top tier type, you know, mm-hmm. and he was going to Toronto, which was in a different country. <laughs> yeah. no, I, mean, I don't know. Exactly. And, and he just kind of like flew under the radar and then all of a sudden he blew up and I was like, that guy came from high school. How come I don't remember that? And then it turns out cause I'm an idiot. Yeah, no, I, I literally thought when I was a kid that he was Jamal. I get him and Jamal Mashburn's career Kentucky confused. for some, Like, they just played yeah. similar in my mind. So, like, when he was coming out, I was kind of like, I think I remember him at Kentucky, and then they pieced it back as I got older. And I was like, no, I just didn't care that he it's, played with Vince because I'm watching yeah. Vince Carter, and that was his frustration. And, yeah, he, uh, he went crazy when he went to Orlando. That's a good one. Uh, number three for me is uh, current NBA player as well, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. along with Paul George. Uh, his name is Chris Middleton. Tate. Woo! He played college basketball at Texas A&M. This is if I'm if I'm putting this uh, a label on this one. This is the uh, college to pro, mm-hmm. but even like rookie Chris Middleton to what we see today now, the improvement is is staggering. Um, this is a this is a man who as as a freshman at Texas A&M averaged seven points per game. He even by the time he was a junior, his five, he only stayed three years at Texas A&M. Then he went early. Uh, he shot twenty six percent from the three point line as a junior. Mm-hmm. Um, he is drafted in the second round by the Detroit Pistons. As a rookie, he is sent to the G League a lot, kind of goes back and forth, but mostly in the G League. Is ultimately traded to Milwaukee in the Brandon Jennings. Brandon, it was basically Brandon Knight for Brandon Jennings, but then mm-hmm. 
Jennings was better than Knight, so they threw in some other people. And that was – Chris Middleton was one of those other people. Uh, and he is now a two-time – not only a two-time All-Star. I think, like, if you were to sum up, like, the heights that Chris Middleton has, has risen to in his career, he is a teammate with a guy who's about to win back-to-back MVPs. And when the game is on the line and there's five seconds left and the game is tied, there is a debate as to whether you give it to the guy who's won back-to-back MVPs or you give the ball to Chris Middleton. Mm-hmm. And that is insane thinking back to Texas A&M career. I do remember watching him in college. So it wasn't like a Paul George situation, right? It's like, I don't even remember this guy in college at all. I do remember watching him in college, but uh, I never would have in a million years thought he'd be the, the, the maybe the crunch time scorer on the one seed in the Eastern Conference like he is now. And, a, and, a, and an all-star, and he's, he's primed to now be an all-star for the next few years. Yeah, no, and it's one of those things, too, with Chris Middleton. He is kind of the consistency that the Bucks need, where if Giannis is getting in those situations where he's getting trapped and the Raptors or whatever team the Sixers are doing, the Giannis rules, and they're just throwing bodies at him, Chris Middleton is the stabilizing force for that offense where we can get him the ball, he can get us a bucket, he can calm yeah. us down. Like you said, if he's in crunch time, he is a guy that if Giannis is a decoy, we feel comfortable with him. Be He's a true all-star. And, uh, you know, in Milwaukee, there's like the Michael Red all-stars of the world where people kind of forget the, the Bucks guys that were really good. And Chris Middleton, mm-hmm. maybe in 10, 15 years, people were like, who was the other guy that was with uh, Andrew yeah, Picupo? Yeah. Um, yeah. and, and I think that he's almost getting past that point because it did seem like that could be the case. But him being in the all-star game last year in Charlotte, I think he made some, you know, made a noise or made some noise for himself. He's obviously – Got some appeal because people know Giannis is the quote-unquote best player in the league right now, um, you know, according to most people. And you can watch Giannis play, and that's his running mate. That's the guy that mm-hmm. obviously things, you know, flow through him just as much as they do Giannis. And he's so mild-mannered and meek that he is, I feel like, so of a throwback athlete that people can just kind of – they don't know much about Chris Middleton, but they're kind of yeah. like, I like the guy. You know, he kind of keeps like his head him, yeah. down. You know I like what I mean? And uh, he just plays yeah. the game, and uh, I don't know. It's kind of what Scottie Pippen did with Michael. He just put his head down and just did what he had yeah. to do. In 2012, his, his junior year at Texas A&M, uh, it was Billy Kennedy's first year coaching mm-hmm. the Aggies. A&M goes 14 and 18. They're garbage. They're not a good basketball team. Uh, Middleton averages 13 points, five rebounds, and two assists. Like, does not put up that crazy stats. He didn't. He didn't lead the team in any of those categories. He was not the leading scorer on a on a sub 500 Texas A&M team. He was never the leading scorer, the leading rebounder, or the leading assist man. Mm-hmm. And now he's what he is. That's pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. Yeah, it's pretty crazy, and it's also one of those <laughs> huh. things where his game is so well-rounded that, I mean, I don't want to even, like, try to say he's just some scorer or something like that. I mean, he is a, a fully formed basketball player, fully formed all-star in the league, and, you know, yeah. maybe more underrated than he – or less discussed than he should be. And, uh, yeah, yeah, that's a great one. Chris Middleton. He won most improved, right, a couple years ago? I don't think he did. Or I Gian- I Giannis won it. Giannis won Giannis it. Won 20- it yeah, that's right. That's right. Giannis won it in 2016, 2017. I think. I'll look it up. But go ahead. Say your guy. I All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Number three for me, uh, it, it's a guy that's currently in the NBA, a guy that I think um, maybe we forget how far he was from being who he is today. And that answer for me is Russell Westbrook, um, mm-hmm. who is a guy that – we remember he came into UCLA because and basically he didn't have a scholarship for UCLA. And then late in the process, they say, hey, we can have you come join us. He comes into UCLA. He is not afraid of anybody, especially Darren Collison, who is ranked as the, the number one point guard in front of him. He's playing the two guard his freshman year. He doesn't do so well or doesn't get that much PT, kind of is a, a little bit out of it, but frustrated for sure. Uh, he was another one of those guys where uh, when they go back in time, they're like, he was talking about transferring. I don't know if UCLA knew that, but 
that was where he was. That's how much faith he had in his own, you know, ability. And then 2008, he has a great year, starts 34 games, is um, on another level with that team. They go to the Final Four. They lose to Memphis in the Final Four. And the reason that they lose is they played Derrick Rose, who ends up being the number one pick in the 08 draft. He's the number four pick. Those guys work out together during that whole summer. And it was – Russell Westbrook was not even supposed to be close to Derrick Rose. You know what I mean? It was yeah. – uh, there was a million other people that they would say maybe even O.J. Mayo could be a combo point guard that would be up in Derrick's category. But definitely not Russell. What do you mean Russell Westbrook? That's not going to be the guy. Um, Westbrook comes into a, a situation with Kevin Durant. The, they already have their guy in Durant. He doesn't care. He basically says, I, I'm also the number four pick. This is my team. Um, and it wasn't in a rude way. It was just kind of like, that's how Russell is. Russell was a hundred percent go at all times. There is no chill. There is no turnoff. There is nothing other than why not? Why can't I win? Why, why am I not the best? Why do you think I'm not the best? Oh, you said I'm not the best. I'm going to go at your throat right now. Um, he's the triple double guy. There's a lot of people that were upset about his whole campaign, you know, averaging, you know, a triple double for an entire season, whatever you may feel about that. So disappointing, man. Looking back on that. Cause my dad was big into that. My dad loved, yeah. I, he, there's two things my dad told me like every day of, of my youth was Pete Maravich averaged 44 points a game with no mm-hmm. three point line and mm-hmm. Oscar Robertson averaged a triple double. And like, yep. those are two things we'll never see again, Mark. And like, on and on. Like he just loved both of those things. Exactly. And Oscar it, Robertson triple double thing is like the biggest deal in the world. And then Westbrook does it, and all the haters are just like, don't care. Yeah, anybody could have done it. If anyone stat padded like it's that. It's arbitrary. Guy, it, exactly. It's, yeah, it's, who cares if it's 10? What, what is, is, is nine? Is averaging 50 and nine and nine not cool because it's not a triple double? I'm like, exactly. Yeah, it's, not cool. it's not cool. Get out of here. Uh, and at the end of the day, like Russell Westbrook, to think that that guy went from, I'm not even going to start on UCLA, I'm the backup point guard to, you know what, I'll just play shooting guard because I'd have to be on the court too you know what, I should be a top five pick. Why am I not a top five pick? Then I am a top five pick because I believe that. Uh, I go to OKC, everyone says you're not the guy. You kind of are the guy. You become an MVP with that franchise. I mean, every single thing that he did, every single box that he checked, there was something in the way from him supposedly being able to do that, whatever that may yeah. be, where it's like, you're not the point guard, that's this guy. Okay, get him out. You're yeah. not the franchise guy, that's good. get him out. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and he did it in a way that wasn't um, – rude or whatever it may be it was kind of like i just want it more than you Dude, and, I, and i love that about russell West. this is why i think i love the rockets because i feel like harden's kind of the same yeah mold of like exactly just like get out of the way <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literally literally get out of my way literally get out of the way but harden harden goes to the beat of his own drum too and he's just like yeah. i don't care what you have thought about me or said about me or whatever how if you think i'm good or not i i yeah you can, I, can. but because luckily for them they've had that hate so like viscerally there since 2012 i feel like since they lost since they went up against lebron and they were going against lebron you know these three guys that there has been like well kevin you're number two to lebron and russell i don't know what you are to lebron (laughs) you're a sidekick to the number two to lebron so you can never be here you can never be an mvp and those guys are all like we're all three mvps and it was crazy enough that we beat that spurs team that ended up going to -to back-to-back finals if, so. uh, yeah, it just hardened flopping and traveling is literally the only, the only reason <laughs> I don't like the Rockets. Everything else, I'm I'm all in, but that's Look, hard to get over. Just, but yeah, I, I love James, Just throw though. more passes between your legs in America. Yeah, that's, right. that's what we learned. Do the Luca pass, James. That's yeah. what we call it now. <laughs> Luca pass. <laughs> uh, by the way, uh, you, you you mentioned we were talking about Chris Middleton winning most improved just because people are pulling their hair out there screaming like, no, I have the answer. Um, 
Giannis did it a few years ago. So Siakam okay. won, Oladipo won the year before, and then Giannis was before Oladipo. So but maybe Chris we, Middleton we never won. let's rewrite history and say that should have been Middleton's. We, we, been Middleton's we, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's the Luca thing. He he shouldn't have won it. He should be like I shouldn't even be on that list. It should yeah. be Chris Middleton. Uh, all right, my number two pick is the most famous, uh, at, at least to me. This will this will always be like the most famous uh, freshman to senior college improvement arc mm. uh, in college basketball. You know, uh, 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 I, I, it's going to be hard to top this one. It is your 2015 National Player of the Year, Frank Kaminsky of the mm. Wisconsin Badgers. This is a man who, as a freshman at Wisconsin, averaged 1.8. He averaged the Skip Bayless, the 1.8 points per game. Was, was Skip 1.8 or is it 1.6? 1.4. 1.4, whatever 1. it is. 4. He averaged a little more than the Skip Bayless. Uh, he played 7.7 minutes per game. He shot 29% from the three-point line. So it wasn't even like he was a little skilled, but trying to find his way. Like he couldn't shoot that well, couldn't do much of anything, was getting no playing time. But he came back as a sophomore and killed it. No, false, not true. He did not. As a sophomore, he averaged 10.3 minutes per game, Tate. Uh, he was only scoring 4.2 points per game. Once again, not shooting well from the three-point line. This is what Frank Kaminsky became known for. Is like he was a versatile seven-footer, could step out, shoot, handle the ball, pass, and all that. Um, his sophomore year, also not great. Shoots 31% from three, barely plays, barely scores, does nothing. Comes back as a junior, and from game one, is just absolutely torching everybody. No way, that's not true either. Uh, the first two games his junior season, he scores two points. Then he scores eight points. And then by game four, this man goes for 43 points against North Dakota. It's like the doors get blown off and nothing is ever the same in Frank Kaminsky's life ever again. He just inexplicably, it's the most inexplicable 43-point outburst, maybe in college basketball history at the time that it happened. Everyone, Wisconsin fans, if you would have made a list of like people who scored 43 points, Frank Kaminsky would have been like seventh or eighth on your list. Uh, Sam Decker would have definitely been the number one. And uh, Kaminsky explodes for 43 Never looks back. They go to the final four in 2014. The next year, he, he averages like 19 and eight and three assists and, and, and beat Sean Miller in the Elite Eight yet again. And, and the rest is history. They beat Kentucky in the final four. And then mm. should and have beat Duke. And then Tyus Jones happens in the, the 2015 yeah. title game. But that career arc, it, it'll get more confusing as, as uh, when humanity is wiped from this earth <laughs> and the aliens come and they find our databases and are thumbing through everything. Someone's going to thumb through and find the Frank Kaminsky stat stat lines from his four years at Wisconsin and go how the hell did that happen <laughs> yeah exactly and that makes you know one of those things where it, when Frank was doing it it did feel very much like a uh like a folk hero like a Johnny Appleseed type where it's like Frank the Tank you know what I mean like we were all sitting there and we're like we can't believe this human that we all know and love and it's so like he's just a big goofball yeah yeah, yeah. he's like and he's riding his moped around and he, and, he, and he made yeah. it the final four and he's like being the undefeated team that we didn't know if we could beat the platoon. We didn't know if the, the five-star blue blood Kentucky train could be stopped. And then Frank Kaminsky, Sam Decker and the boys from Wisconsin were like, you know, David versus Goliath. And it, but it was Frank and Frank was the face of it. And it, it's so funny. I just watched, I mean, Frank's on the suns right now. He's getting, he got some PT the other day and you, you see Frank out there and you're like, man, Frank looks, Frank looks good. Do you like his haircut. I, I think his haircut was necessary in the sense that he had to he had to tighten it up. You know what I mean? Like Frank, <laughs> Frank, if he wanted to stay in the league, you know what I mean? It, yeah, it's a harsh right. reality. You had to tighten it up, and uh, it's hard to be in Charlotte and stay tight. Um, Cody Zeller. I is, do think I do think if you're a white guy, if you're a white American, and you get to the NBA, you cannot have the same look you had in college. You got to do something. Mm. And a lot of the 
uh, you know, like Reddick went with the full sleeve tattoo and mixed it up that way. Gordon Hayward like had the mop top and then he like decided to kind of clean it up. Kevin Love had a glow up. Like I feel like if you look the same in college as you do in year six in the NBA, you're not going to make it to year seven in the NBA. You got to yeah, do something. You got to yeah. you got to spice it up a little bit so the GMs are like, whoa, who's this guy? <laughs> yeah, it, it's honestly like Joe Harris right now is on the clock. You know, everyone's yeah, like, what, Harris, what, yeah. what is Joe Harris going to do to stay in the league? We need um, we need a buzz. I saw Kyle Guy by the way is growing his hair out a little bit during. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is smart uh so we're gonna have to yeah that, that's my advice all the all the white american dudes like you got to mix it up man you got to come up with something or, or change your name something go by your yeah, name. you, you have to be able to trick people to think that they aren't you like that's what mcroberts said <laughs> mcroberts was like i'm gonna get the like the long hair i'm just gonna like play a different style i'm now a point guard everyone's like is this guy bringing the ball <laughs> yeah. up the floor and he's like yeah that's what i'm doing and this is how the pocket yeah, it's like offense and this is not this. There's no way this is the same Josh McRoberts I watched at Duke that like gelled yeah. his hair and just, spiked it up a little bit. You know, played just set screens yeah. with a bad yeah. attitude yeah. and scowling yeah. his face. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's, that's not, not the same, same guy. guy. <laughs> the guy with the man bun that's like throwing elbows at LeBron's face. That's not the same. There's that's no way. The same yeah. So anyway, <laughs> I love Frank Kaminsky. My number too big. I love Frank Kaminsky. Uh, speaking of guys that were uh, just sort of lovable heroes in college and made great tournament runs and were March Madness icons. My number two pick is someone that you know well, and uh, I think it's pretty on the nose. Uh, Stephen Curry. Mm. Steph Curry at the time. Mm -hmm. um, the witness shirts. We remember LeBron James going to watch Davidson play NC State, and LeBron's in the crowd, and he's got the witness Nike shirt, and it's the mm. witness the Wildcats, and he loves Steph Curry, and he's like, I, I see something here in Steph Curry. And for me as a fan, watching Steph Curry played North Carolina uh, a couple times, played Duke. You would see him, he averaged 21 points per game in his freshman year, but he was also this little guy, you know what I mean? It was kind of like, there's no way, even going into the draft, there was all these reports that Steph Curry wanted to go to the Knicks. And mm -hmm. the Knicks had, you know, I think it was the, the sixth pick or whatever it was. And it, all those rumors were ridiculous in my mind. I was like, okay, he may want to go to the Knicks, but is he really going to be a top 10 pick? I mean, is that really yeah. where we are? I mean, there's Wayne Ellington, Ty Lawson. There was Ricky Rubio. There was Johnny. There was all these other guards in the draft. Anyways, Ricky Rubio goes five out of the Timberwolves and then goes on. Steph gets picked by the Warriors. Don Nelson, uh, Donnie Ball, one of the best, comes out and says he's the best passer in the draft. I thought that was a lot of smoke. I'm like, there's, I'm like, you mean the guy that shoots all the time is the best passer in the draft? Like, what do you mean mm -hmm. by that? And I assumed that Steph Curry was going to be naturally a shooting guard because the man shoots, and I didn't see him being able to play the two guard anyway. NBA changes. Steph Curry is a point guard. He's got the ball in his hands and changes basketball, in my opinion, for the better, uh, opens yeah. the floor up, uh, and is able to basically say skill can win at this game just like force. That You think just height and these things will win in basketball, but this little guy right here who you hate to lose to because you can't believe it. Like there's like some, there's like a, people when they lose to Steph Curry, they almost have like this crisis in their life. They're like, did this really just happen <laughs> yeah. to me? You know what I mean? Like what? What? Like this kid just Dude. did this to me? Did this dude just did, did, did this to did me? This dude just did this. Uh, it's the John do, Starks moment. We should do a top five of existential guys who give you an existential crisis when they kick your ass. It, it, Steph Curry <laughs> might be number one on that list. I mean, Luca, yeah. l rookie Luca is up there as well. Yes, yeah, so chain smoking Luca's up there too. Yeah. I mean, like when he's doing things to you in slow motion. I mean, Kawhi Leonard, Kawhi Leonard yeah. early on, like LeBron James had a little bit of that. He's like, who the hell is this Try guy? To throw a post feed and Kawhi just sticks his arm out and steals, and you're like, what the hell? What? Yeah. And possible. then doesn't say anything and like <laughs> yeah. just staring off in the distance. And that's kind of like Steph. Steph's kind of this nice guy too. But anyways, you know, he comes in the Jeremy league. Lin during Lin Sanity. That's one. <laughs> Jeremy Lin. You're like, what is going on right now? How's this guy have 50 points? Uh, <laughs> 
he he wins MVP. He wins unanimous MVP, back-to-back MVPs. Wins seventy-three yep. games. We know all that sort of stuff. But the real transformation for me was the the lockout year. Steph went from Monte leaves, uh, and then he falls back. Uh, he has like averages like fourteen points per game. He's not doing too well. Um, you know, there was some finger pointing going on. What is Steph Curry going to do? His ankles messed up. Yada yada yada. Anyways, Steph Curry gets out of there, gets healed, comes back the next year, averaging 22 points per game. They get Clay. They got Clay in a second year. Draymond comes mm-hmm. in. Harrison Barnes comes in. They got Bogan in a trade. You know, Fest, all these guys, all the pieces come in that we see that turn into the dynasty. And then they and, show Mark Jackson the door and bring Steve Kerr. <laughs> yeah, and then once they get good, they're, go. like, they're like, Mark Jackson, you can get out of here. Uh, and then Steve Kerr takes over. But the, the, the fact that Steph Curry, in my opinion, became a franchise player in the NBA and actually did what he did in college in the NBA still is such yeah. a fascinating uh, conundrum pre- of sorts. I, I'm going to preemptively defend you because I, I, I can feel the, uh, the listeners getting upset saying, oh, Tate, you're the guy that averaged like 49 points a game and mm. Davidson suddenly was good in the NBA. How was that improvement? Well, um, well he improved every year at Davidson by four points per game. So he was 21 his first year. I think, I think he's 25 his second year and 29 his third year. So, But I mean, it's not enough to just say – it's not enough to just say that he uh, scored a lot in college and then became good in the NBA. That's not the yeah, Steph Curry story. The story is that story. he just completely revolutionized basketball – um by by explaining to people that three points are worth more than two and not mm. a lot of people knew that until mm. Steph Curry came along and uh it just changed the game forever and they're like realized wow we could we could score one more point every time down the floor if we well, shot from behind you that could line. Also, is that how it works it, it's also like all he really did was like you see Devin Booker Damian Lillard I mean they're getting screen set I mean t- I mean 10 feet behind the three-point line and then they're yeah. pulling up from yeah. there and it's just like it, he normalized. He did normalize yeah. like just parking lot range, just like because because guys have had yes. guys have had it before. We've definitely seen it at the college level before. Um, most famously, Adam Morrison. Most famously, is Jimmer, but Jimmer was after Steph. But uh, uh, guys had done that before. Reddick had done it. Reddick and Morrison were both doing it. Mm-hmm. But like it was always even when they were doing it, it was kind of crazy. And then Steph just did like it was crazy at first, but he just kept doing it over mm-hmm. and over and over, mm-hmm. and he kept making it over. And then by the time like you know the end of his first MVP run, you're it's normalized. Like he's he's, he's pulling up from forty feet, and nobody's like, wait, what is he doing? You're just like, yeah, there he goes. He did it again. And every single night, there was a different story that was like, here's why he won't do it tonight. I mean, these, these yeah. people were so upset. I mean, they still are. I mean, people hate Steph Curry because, again, it's that, it's that shock to the psyche of, like, what I expect to be success is not this. It's not that guy. And meanwhile, yeah. that guy's been around basketball his whole life. He's heard all the stories. He's had Vince Carter tutoring him. He's had his dad. He's, he knows how to play the game of basketball. And he plays Mr. Nice Guy. Seth that's my Greenberg, favorite thing, bro. Seth Greenberg is in shambles listening to Dave Tellup. Uh, that was the yeah, biggest yeah. story. I mean, he was not even the top 100 list for Dave Tellup. He said that was the biggest regret. Yeah, of how's Dave Tellup uh, uh, got off the hook here? Spurs. Everyone, you just, go, yeah. you just always go to the Spurs. You just hide, you just go to the Spurs. Everyone kills Greenberg. No one's, no one's getting on Dave Tellup for not putting Steph. Uh, not enough is made of the mm. fact that Steph Curry's coach almost has the exact same name as him. And mm. there's Steph Curry, there's Steve Curry and Steph Curry. And mm-hmm. They they have a dynasty together, and I just feel like we should make, we should we should we should talk more about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah basically it, it, the same name. <laughs> yeah, I mean for sure, there's something there. That's all I got. That's all yeah. I wanted to say. Uh, all right, number one pick. Um, my number one pick. It could only be him. Uh, you you knew it was going to be him. You listened to the show. You understand how much I love him. It is Matt Thomas of the truck. No. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Thank you. No, it is not Matt Thomas. Finally. My number one pick, Bam Adebayo, is up for most improved player. He is one of the finalists along with Luka Doncic. Who is the third guy? I forget. Uh, uh, Brandon Ingram. Brandon Ingram. That's right. Brandon Ingram's not going to win it. But um, 
shout out to him for for being a part. Uh, Bam Adebayo also up for most improved player. I don't think Bam Adebayo is the guy from the Heat that we need to be talking about, Tate. I think we need to be talking about our good friend Duncan Robinson. Oh, he had yes. to be number one. He is. Uh, every time I watch the man play, it it just like. You want to talk about existential crisis? That's a crisis. great pick. That's a great pick. You want to talk about existential crisis? I watch Duncan and I'm like, my God, what if I just like tried a little bit harder? And obviously Duncan's better than I, I was. He's He's got three inches on me at least. Um, mm. I, I was never going to do But just like w- following his career arc, it makes you think. It makes you think like, why was I an asshole that like never tried when – why did I give up when I faced the first obstacle in my basketball career, which was like stop when I stopped growing in eighth grade. Um, and I was just like, all right, well, I'm done. And I just threw my hands up and I was like, I'm just going to coast from here on out. Uh, when this man was, he did not even, as far as I know, did not even start on his high school team until he was a senior. Goes to the division three school, as, as we all know. Goes to Michigan, starts his first year, but that's more because the circumstance, not because he was like awesome, but he was, he was okay. He averaged 11 points a game. Uh, and then loses his starting spot. By the time he's a senior, he's coming off the bench, playing behind Isaiah Livers, who not a fan. I'll just put it that way. Yeah. Not a fan. Um, he's playing behind Isaiah Livers. Defensively, he's got some problems here and there, is what Michigan fans will tell you. If you bring up the fact that John Beeline brought him off the bench as a senior, they'll say, well, he wasn't great defensively. And they're probably right, but come on. Uh, mm. But what shocked me, I didn't, I didn't realize this, looking back on his, his, uh, his senior year. I, I had the number, 38%. Yeah, there it is. He shot 38% from threes as a, as a senior at Michigan, which is not bad, but like not what he's doing now. No. You know? he's, no. Currently, he's currently third in the NBA in effective field goal percentage, which is a fancy way of saying he makes shots. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's behind Mitchell Robinson and Rudy Gobert, who just basically dunk everything. Otherwise – it's Duncan Robinson. He gets buckets. It's what he does. That you have defenses are, are focusing on him when th- this is a man who who spent his rookie year in the G League. He's playing in South Dakota, uh, and even when he got in games last year, he he didn't really shoot that particularly well for Miami last year. And now he has taken the NBA by storm. He is one of the two or three best shooters in the entire league, and people are raving about him. And I just want to say, we love you, Duncan. <laughs> yeah, we love you, and you're a friend of the program always and forever. And it's also he went. The full spectrum, you know, he went from D3. He worked his way all the way up to this point in time. In fact, when we first started talking to him when he got to the NBA, all we joked about was, how are you going to enjoy Cedar Rapids? You know what I mean? Like, what are you going to do in Cedar Rapids? Are you going to watch the movie Cedar Rapids to get yourself prepared for how much you're going to be in the G League? And looking back on it, I think that we motivated him. You know what I mean? He was like, I am not going to go there. I will stay in Miami. I will be at Club Live. I will be shooting threes (laughs) on this team. Uh, And uh, in case you forgot, I am 6'8". Yeah, I think yeah. that's uh, that is the one thing I would say. Like the new age of whatever the successful NBA player looks like, it is the six eight six nine Cam Johnson, Duncan Robinson, sniper specialist from three. That skinny like skinny ankles, the skinny yeah. ankle, long wingspan sniper, and, and just endurance. Sign that guy up. Yeah, you in, endurance. endurance. Yeah. Like, these guys run around like they're like they're JJ Redick. You know what I mean? And they yeah. don't stop. And I. I'm a big fan of of that prototype, and I'm a big fan of Duncan Robinson. That's a great number one pick. I'm I'm cosign. Do you think we'll get to a point where uh, that that that's my hope for Dunk is we get to a point where it stops getting brought up that he played Division three and he stopped like you know and he's just like yeah Duncan mm-hmm. Robinson hit seven threes again tonight and I I think we're still I think I think the NBA is definitely past that point but I think we yeah. are a college basketball podcast so we yeah, we'll, we'll never be to remember <laughs> yeah, yeah we might not be past it but I don't know um, all right you're number right. one. Number one pick, this may shock the system. This may uh, – I have to explain myself with this one, but it, it's – it's for LeBron me, it's very James. simple. <laughs> LeBron James. Um, 
No, Bronny Jr. Uh, final pick, number one pick. It is a guy, Kobe Bean Bryant. And it is my most improved player because Kobe Bryant, for people that don't know, when he came into the league in 1996, there was a man by the name of Marcus Camby. There was a man by the name of Allen Iverson. There was a man by the name of Sharif Abdurrahim. There was a man that was picked 13th in the draft. And he basically got traded for Vladi Divac and some throwaway pieces. And he was sent to L.A. And all he did was talk about how he was going to play his whole career in L.A. Everyone was like, man, no, you're not. You're not that good. You think you're really good, but you're really not. And that was Michael Jordan. Everyone, everyone was mean to him. They, all these guys, you, you watch it. I mean, they just were like, shut up. He wins a dunk contest. He's got Moesha there, Brandy there. Everyone's like, stop trying to make a show of this. Second year, he's an all-star. He's like, I should be getting my credibility. Everyone's like, shut up. And he just keeps going on. Shaq's the best player. He's like, well, we're going to win a three-peat, just like Jordan did. Shaq's like, well, this is my three-peat. Shaq eventually leads him. He's like, well, I'm going to lead the lead in scoring in 2005, 2006. Does that. Leads the league in scoring. He's first-team All-NBA 2006 to 2013. He basically goes throughout – he gets 81 points during that span, the second to Will Chamberlain. Kobe Bryant came to the league and said to everyone, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to be the greatest. I'm going to blah, 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 blah. I'm going to compete with Michael Jordan, and that's what I'm here to do. And every single step of the way – all he had was skeptics. All he had was people say, no, you're not. When he airballed all those shots in Utah in his first year in the playoffs, every single person was like, see, told you, rookie, shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. You're not going to be great. You're not going to be a two-time finals MVP. You're not going to win championships without Shaq. You're not going to do this, this, and that. And every single time, Kobe Bryant, as much as I, w- I didn't grow up where I'm like, Kobe Bryant's my favorite player. In fact, you know this. I have a Jordan complex with everybody. So I was like, <laughs> the guy that plays just like Michael Jordan wants to be Michael Jordan. This is upsetting to me. But the way that he did it, the way that he like smiled through all of the shit that was going on, the fact that he wanted to compete, the fact that it was genuine in the sense that like, man, this guy really seems to only care about this thing, this career, this basketball journey that he's on. The fact that 81 points in a game happened that I watched that game happen, that that was yeah. real. And it was something out of what feels like a movie at the time. And the Kobe experience was a movie that 20 year experience all the way up to 60 shots in the last game, setting an NBA record, which we, I mean, 50 shots with 60 points. And we knew that he was going to set, he was going to break his own record. In his which last by the game. way, they won the Kobe game. Was, One yeah. thing about that game that like that uh, everyone loved to shit on it at the time. Cause the Kobe was just chucking and obviously he was, but, but they still the, won the game. So, like, in the most beautiful Kobe way possible, where he was like, This is what I do. I mean, this is yeah. the Kobe. <laughs> this is my impact on the game in the sense yeah. that, like, I have such belief and such mental, uh, like, whatever fortitude, whatever, whatever the hell you want to call it, that I do think this is how we're going to win the game and I will will us to victory. And there's like, the Kobe Bryant is something else. And I think that the fact that he delivered on these promises and the things that he said, I mean, I know a lot of people point to, to the, the decision with LeBron and all that sort of stuff. Like Kobe was saying so many out of pocket things early on when he was a kid. And of course he was 18 years old, 19 years old. Of course he's in LA. Of course people want him to say these things. He said a lot of them on the air, but a lot of them came to fruition, which yeah. is, I mean, that's saying something. It, it was, it still to me is, I don't think that Kobe had the most natural talent. I don't think he was as naturally talented maybe as Allen Iverson, but he worked harder than him by miles yeah. and miles and yeah. miles. And yeah. yes, Joe Bryant was his dad. Yes, he had the, the, the natural DNA or whatever you want to call about the, to be a great basketball player, but Kobe put in the work and Kobe it, like was in the gym every single day. Kobe's obsessed with basketball. If he saw you do a move, he wanted to learn it. I mean, he's a, He's absolutely something else that we may never see again. And, like, as far as improvement, Kobe was trying to improve every single day. And that, to me, is why I can't be a Michael Jordan or any of these other guys because they had, to me, 
enough natural whatever to fall back and Kobe didn't have that he built that and I think that's uh that's really important can I just say I just love having top five lists back because the fact that you had Kobe Bryant Steph Curry Russell Westbrook Tracy McGrady who else who's your fifth Danny Green Danny Green Danny Green that's right all right so Danny Green's the outlier but the fact that you have Hall of Famers on your list, and I, I started with Conzo Martin. I know, but I, that's why I was laughing. Conzo Martin, Frank Kaminsky, and Duncan Robinson. The worst part is they're going to put these lists next to each other. And I was yeah. like, what are these guys talking about? But it makes sense to us. We, we explain it well. But that's, the, that's the joy of the top yeah. five list is you got to – the, 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 Again, the what, what they were. I always like the first time I ever saw Kobe Bryant in a game, he looked like he was going to shit his pants. He airballed you know? his first shot of his career, didn't he? Exactly. Like, and yeah. and, he, and yeah. he was like wiping his hands on his shorts, you know? Yeah. And like yeah. to see that guy turn into the Mamba who's like licking his lips, like, you know, the staring at people like a maniac. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, like that's – that's yeah. a full-on transformation. Um, I don't know. That's- I love it. This was good. I like doing the top five. We, we, can't, we can't do them all the time. There's too much going on. We got we to gotta, we gotta hit all the, uh, the important stuff in the world. Mm. But uh, I don't know. We'll sprinkle. We'll keep sprinkling these in. We'll, we'll, we'll come up with topics. We'll find, if you have any suggestions, send them our way, and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll pick them apart. But, yeah, I, I, I do enjoy doing those. Shout-outs, closeouts. Wrap this up. Yeah. Yeah, shout-outs, closeouts. I just want to shout-out to basically the Phoenix Suns. Uh, and the reason I want to shout-out the Phoenix Suns is, again, they're undefeated. Um, again, they have the, uh, the chance to get into this play-in game, this play-in playoff system that's going on. And they continue just to basically just talk that shit. And uh, I don't know what else I can do if they aren't in the bubble or in the play-in game for that eight seed. If something were to happen, like they lose to the Sixers tomorrow. If you're listening to this right now and losing to the Sixers, I'm heartbroken. Because I don't yeah. want the Suns so they, run to so, end. Yeah, what do they have to – they have to win out still? They have to go undefeated the whole way? I think that they well, – unless some things change, they have to win. Like maybe if it's a loss of the Grizzlies or the Trailblazers, I think they have to win the next two games to get into the playing game. Um, wow. And they were just – that would be a great story. They were just like a throw-in and then – Yeah, and then they make the run, which is why if you're a Hornets fan, all you're thinking to yourself is like, why couldn't we just be a throw-in and see if we could win eight <laughs> games? <laughs> Throw us in. With the most improved yeah. player. What are they they're, – they're a game back at the Grizzlies, though. Yeah. Yeah. So, like the Grizzlies and the, the they're tied with the Spurs for the ten seed right now, according to what I'm looking at. Uh, they're a half game back of the Blazers, who are the nine seed, and then, and then the, Grizzlies, the Grizzlies. Yeah. Uh, there's a chance. Could there's happen. a chance. There's a chance. I mean, they play the Sixers and then they play the Spurs, I believe. So. Just win, baby. Just win. That's all it takes. Uh, I want to shout out Purdue University. The day yeah. of giving is less than a month away, Tate. <laughs> so everyone, get your wallets ready. Uh, college football might be on the ropes, but I'll be goddamned if Purdue Day of Giving ever gets canceled. It is uncancelable. It will continue. It is it is the cockroach of the the college world. For the Purdue Day of Giving is going to be. Are they going to set a new record? They have to. They do every yes. year. I think. I think if you're if you're asking yourself how are college programs going to finance themselves without football. You just turn to the Purdue Day of Giving. I think mm-hmm. we have two models that are ironclad in this country. <laughs> One is the bubble system. Mm. When in doubt, bubble it up. And that's how we keep people safe. And two, how do we fund stuff? We look at the Purdue Dave giving model, yes. which is yes. give. Just give me money mm-hmm. and I'll use it. And that mm-hmm. is the that Look is at these Purdue's facilities. Model. That is that is the final form of that. Look at the facilities. So all you all you administrators. All you administrators scratching your head saying, like, how can we finance sports? How is this gonna work? Just call it Purdue and they'll say, here's how we mm-hmm. do it. We, 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 we put out a tweet. We say Purdue Day of Giving. Give us money, bitch. 
<laughs> and then they do and it works and it's genius uh i love it i'm excited about three-day giving i feel like i gotta contribute i feel like yeah. it's become a bit at this point like i gotta i gotta contribute like five bucks maybe i'll do it in my mom's name or something because yeah like, that's what we need like, laura legend i'll write a check I'll write a check for like a hundred bucks made. Don't tell Bill Titus, but yeah, that that's it. That's that's what we got to do. That's it. Go, go Purdue, figure it out, give back, make it happen. (laughs) You know what it is. Big 10. Shout out to Shia LaBeouf. Uh, He is potentially joining the, the Marvel cinematic universe, whatever those people want to call it. Now I just call it Marvel, but Shia LaBeouf is uh, someone that I want to have on this program to method act uh, being fans of different teams. I think if we gave him the blueprint on how to do it, we could eventually get that to happen. He's going to be Iceman, which uh, begs the question, how many Iceman do we have? There, there's so Iceman many. Iceman in Top Gun? Exactly. That's what I mean. The, the, no, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I don't, I don't even know no, who Iceman, Iceman is. Iceman is Top Gun. Iceman is Val Kilmer in, in Top Gun with the veneers and the – yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, exactly. And, the, and there's Iceman, which is like oh. Wim Hof, which is like yeah. Wim Hof breathing. That's another Iceman. There's, there's too many Icemen out there is no. what I'm saying. <laughs> Um, uh, but George Gervin, George Gervin, yeah, 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 yeah. What about me? Um, yeah, we love. All right, uh, all, all I have left. Shout out to Columbus Blue Jackets beat the beat the Maple Leafs. We're we're nice. moving on. I don't know what's next now. Again, I'm I'm confused as the hockey term. But I think it's just now. Now it's just the normal playoffs. Now they just have mm. the playoff bracket. So I think I think it's pretty straightforward now. And then uh, NBA draft lottery is going to be August 20th, Tate, which is 10 days from now. That'll be exciting. The NHL just had their draft lottery. They were doing ping pong balls. Everyone got to see all that happen. I like I like doing it live. I like that the NHL has the ping pong balls right there. You watch it happen. Mm-hmm. They're they're spitting around and they get sucked up and then they pull them out and you're like, this is these are the picks. Uh, the NBA doesn't do that. They do that behind closed doors mm-hmm. and then the envelopes come out and you reveal the envelopes. Which always begs the question. Like show it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Show us what yeah. happened. Hmm. Also, shout out Matt Thomas. What does he got right now? <laughs> Let me, let me, one final, one final, final note of the day. Final Shout note of the day. Uh, so the Raptors are up 10. There's four and a half minutes left. Matt Thomas has 22 points. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Four man. rebounds. What, what is he shooting? What is he shooting? Uh, four for seven from three, nine for mm. 14 from the field. Mm. Lighten it up. Zero free throws. I love that out of my shooting guards. Love shooting guards that don't shoot free throws. I really do. I genuinely do. Don't. No, I mean that's 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 what we want. We just want straight shots. It's, yeah. It's a finesse game, baby. You're not trying to get contact. FGAs, baby. To, field goal attempts. That's all we're trying, here for. You're trying to make shots. You're not trying to draw fouls. Uh, all right, that's the show. We're gonna watch the. We we we've fallen into a pattern. We're, we watch the games on Thursday night. Uh, whatever the Thursday night slate is in, in the NBA. We'll know more about the playoff picture at that point too, so we can kind of map it out what we're gonna see. Uh, yeah. and then we and then we get all the you know make our predictions for the playoffs, and then maybe we yeah. we like re. Uh, seed the college teams as pro teams, depending on if Ooh, we can. Yeah, we should do that. Yeah, yeah that'd be fun. Right. Uh, yeah, right. Thursday's going to be a good show. That, that might be our best Join show. Join us on Thursday that's nights. We're having fun because yeah. we get to watch basketball again and talk about it. Which yeah, what, 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 but better. we post them on Friday, right? So like, Yeah, it, Friday morning. Yeah, yeah. yeah so for the Friday show for the listener. But we're going to record it on Thursday night after the games are played. But listener, just know That'll it's That'll be Thursday. a good show. Yeah, not all of our shows are good. You know that. You listen to the show. Yeah. You know it's not, not all of them are good. But I think that one's going to be Look, if you shoot 50% fun. from the field, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you're a pretty good to, player. We're trying to shoot 40% for three. That's my that's my mantra. So like, you know, every so often we'll have a few good shows and I'm like, you know what? I'm pulling from 40 feet baby let's yeah. do it let's yeah, let's yeah. power rank uh nonsense <laughs> sometimes you go 0 for 12 and you're like it's kobe mentality we gotta keep the, shooting what was the dumbest top five we did honestly i don't think we've done it yet i think that's <laughs> the, yeah. i think and we got a ways that, to go and with that we bid you adieu see you guys friday <laughs>